Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. My co-host is Ryan Donnelly. Uh, Ryan, we've got something pretty special here. What are we doing today? So, Patrick, uh, we're going to be talking about the passion project and message board gossip of every lunatic college football fan. And you. And me, yeah. which is, I, I think I covered that. Yeah. <laughs> conference expansion or conference realignment. The topic that has fueled Reddit, Twitter, and rivals message board arguments for years. The big three. Yeah. The big three, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, been experimented with on EA Sports video games for as long as I can remember, and has also caused billions and billions of dollars to tip the scales in various athletic departments across America. Bagman, yeah? Uh, yeah. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So this thing, this is, I, I, I kind of alluded to it, this thing is your baby. You have, like, you, you're, you have gone nuts on this. You, uh, like, you have texted me several times over the last couple of weeks. Folks, it's the conference expansion episode. Um, it's a big deal. Ryan has been working on this thing since we started the podcast. Which it's was a like, fucking Catalina yeah, wine mixer, Which dude. was like two months ago. You, you come to me on the day of my conference expansion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have you have really dived into this as, as much as I have ever seen you dive into anything. Um, it's uh, I'm excited about this one. I think this is going to be really fun. Yeah, I mean, I spent hours and hours working on these, assembling quotes, kind of talking to writers of different programs, different publications across the country. Um, researching old and recent quotes from athletic directors, coaches, conference uh, uh, conference heads, and, and university presidents. Um, I've kind of always been fascinated by conference expansion and realignment as a topic, but I kind of feel more confident what I have to say on the subject right now than I ever have before. Mm-hmm. Um, with that having been said, before we get too far into the weeds on this and what I want to go over, we kind of need to lay out a few guiding facts that will shape the next round of conference expansion and realignments if and when they happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're deep in the Chris Del Conte. That's, that's what you're saying here. You're so deep into Chris Del Conte. Here. Dude, I have been reading John Curry quotes for uh, weeks. Oh, man. Um, the first pillar we have to understand is the when. The Big Ten's TV deal is set to expire after the 2022-2023 season, the Pac-12s after the 23-24 season, and the Big 12s after the 24-25 season. The grant of rights for each of those conferences also expires at the end of those deals. The ACC's grant of rights, I'm going to explain what that is in one second, mm-hmm. runs through the 25, thir- or I'm sorry, the 35-36 season and the SEC through the 33-34 season, um, the length of time when both of their TV deals have been inked through. Uh, that window is essentially right now until the end of 2025 is when any movement is likely to happen. Yeah. The second point here, the Big Ten, SEC, and ACC are not going anywhere. All three of these conferences will be standing after whatever happens in the next round of realignment, albeit for different reasons. They will not lose any members, raid each other, or be raided by anybody else. Why is that? So, to put it simply, uh, the Big Ten and SEC are by far the richest conferences in the country mm-hmm. and will only continue to get drastically wealthier when both of their new deals kick in in 2023. Um, the SEC's terms have already been negotiated and announced and will jump from their current $45 million per school per year to roughly $65 million per school per year. Yeah, The Big Ten is already bringing in $55 million per school per year and could be in the ballpark of $75 or $80 million per school if the current projections are accurate. As a quick aside here, it's insane that the Big Ten isn't better. Why is the Big Ten not better? 
Yeah, I mean, the money helps, obviously, and you can yeah. invest a lot in facilities and I, things I, like that. That's like recruiting base. But it's recruiting base is a big yeah. problem. And also, a lot of these schools are really good at the Olympic sports yeah. and good at uh, the non-ref sports in general. Ba- basketball, too. It's a great basketball conference. Basketball, wrestling specifically, they are the big, it's the Big Ten and then it's everybody else. Right, no one else is competitive. Yeah. yeah. I, so, I mean, it really is investment, other things. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, I mean, I think between the two, that's what it is. Okay. Um, to say the least, this compares favorably to the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12. They range between thirty-two and forty million dollars per school. Yeah. So why is why is the ACC included in this then? If they're if they're making sort of less money than the Big Ten and, and the SEC, kind of by a significant margin. Right. So the ACC is going to be held together for, like you said, a different reason. There, um, their recent deal with ESPN locked in their grant of rights the thirty-five, thirty-six season. Mm-hmm. Um, a grant of rights is an agreement that a university makes with a conference to allow the conference to sell the university's media rights on its behalf. So that means TV, radio, things like that, right? The grant of rights guarantees that even if a team were to leave the conference, all media revenue from its home games would stay with the conference through the end of the deal. Yeah. So while the grant of rights has never been legally challenged, uh, it's unlikely that any universities would wrap up hundreds of millions of dollars in potential revenue and years of legal battles. In addition to tens of million dollars, they would have to pay up front um, in exit fees. Yeah. So Maryland, for example, after a long lawsuit, still had to pay $31 million to leave the ACC before they even had an official grant of rights. Yeah. So it's just inordinately expensive to kind of break that contract. Yeah. And while you, of course, would jump a lot in yearly revenue, um, you don't have any guarantee you would win, right? We have no yes. clue what this would look like in courts. Yeah, and it's it's just it's a risk that a lot of schools schools are not big on taking risks, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. not expensive ones, right? They're just, I mean, and it makes sense too. I mean, ACC is longstanding. You know, it has a, a a pretty strong kind of cultural and geographic tradition, and yeah. you know, it's it, it basically it'll work out how it is, right? And, and Clemson and Florida State, and you know, schools sure. of that nature, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, things of that nature. <laughs> so like we said, the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 are all between 32 and $40 million per school. Um, no G5 conference even comes close to cracking $10 million per school in annual payouts. Yeah. Um, the AAC is the best, and their new deal they just signed, I believe, puts them at $7 million per school per year. I didn't write that one down, mm-hmm. but it's in that ballpark. That sounds right. Um, so sports media data firm Navigate, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, Um makes sense. Uh, yeah. That's an actual word. I was looking at it as like, nav- oh man, I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh, that feels dumb. <laughs> just, I was looking at it I was like, yeah, navigate. Yeah, navigate. Seems right. It just looked like a proper noun to me. Wow, that's it's been a long day, You man. capitalized it, so it became a different word. God. <sighs> I'm not going to live that one down. <clears throat> anyway, in an interview with The Athletic, uh, Navigate projected that by 2026, when all of the conferences will have their new deals in place, the revenue will be as follows. Um, the ACC, we bring it up the rear at $46 million per school, compared with $82 million per school for the Big Ten, mm-hmm. $75.5 million for the SEC, $61.5 for the Big 12, and $55.5 for the Pac-12. Yeah. So the power of the dollar means that no school currently in the Big Ten or SEC will be trying to leave now or any time in the foreseeable future. These are the kings of college football, right? Yeah. There, no one's leaving those two places. Yeah, it's, I, it's, there's too much money on the line. This this is also why... I remember going into the pandemic very early on, people were saying that it was going to be a very quiet 
sell, uh, you know, coaching carousel after the season, right? Because the assumption was that no one would want to pay buyouts for, for coaches, especially guys like Gus Malzahn. This is why they still got bought out. This is why there was still a busy coaching carousel. There's a lot of fucking money in these conferences. Right, and you've heard several, like, conference presidents or conference heads and university presidents kind of say that when you have the long-term stability of these long media deals that you know are coming down the pike, mm-hmm. then you can afford to borrow against that and things of that nature and have a lot more yeah. money in the line, right? Yeah. Um, so going back to the ACC's grant of rights there, uh, that kind of brings me to point number three, which is our briefest one here. Um, yeah. Notre Dame will not join any conference besides the ACC through at least the 2030s. Um, because the Irish receive an annual payout as part of their agreement with the ACC, if Notre Dame joins a conference before the end of the 35-36 season, it must be the ACC. Yeah. So because of how wrapped up Notre Dame's identity is, its independent status, coupled with the minuscule difference between their annual T revenue as it stands and what they would, the program would make in the ACC, it's pretty unlikely they would ever formally join the ACC. Um, nonetheless, if any conference were to add Notre Dame, it would be the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah. And I, I just, I, the other thing, I've seen people talking about how they would like to see Notre Dame, like even Notre Dame fans say that they would like to see Notre Dame mm-hmm. join the ACC. I, I understand the benefits, certainly. It would, you know, probably a better a, a better schedule, at least in terms of stability. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, like you said, there's the difference is small between the, the kind of money that they would make being in the ACC and the kind of money that they're making now. Right, they would get a pay up about $5 million a year, which yeah. is not much. and like you said, Notre Dame is the independent. That is their thing, is that they are the independent right. school. And it's interesting to think what would have happened if some of those other independent schools in the 90s had remained independent, mm-hmm. if if Notre Dame had been a, would, would have still been able to make as much off of it if like Miami was still independent, things mm-hmm. like that. Or if Miami would have been able to get a similar deal with, like, um, I don't know, MTV. <laughs> they play all their games on MTV. Sure. Um, but I, I think that, you know, like you said... That that is Notre Dame, and and so leaving independent, I think, fundamentally changes something about the Notre Dame football program and the school in general. Right, and they're already the seventh most profitable athletic department in America. I mean, they're yeah. just not hurting for money at yeah, all. They're and, fine. Yeah, and I think probably there there's some percentage of their donor base that wants to say them independent, which I, I don't think they're willing to risk for the gain they would get. Yeah. Um, and, and what you touched on there with the independence in the '90s, I mean, funny enough, that is what kicked off this whole thing, right? Yeah. Um. That's why no other school right now is going to go independent. Um, we're going to talk about revenue splits later on and kind of how certain programs carry more than their fair share and generating money for their conference, but they still stand to be richer on the net by bundling their rights than they do by going it alone. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame does not benefit financially from independent and brings in less TV revenue than comparable programs like Ohio State, Texas, Oklahoma, Michigan. USC, others like that, right? Yeah. But for decades, the number of independents has been decreasing, and that number will stay even or decline going forward. I mean, the whole reason um, Penn State and Miami and, and Pitt and all these different, Virginia Tech, I think, was among them, all these different schools banded together to form uh, the Big East or went to the Big Ten in Penn State's case is because of the money they stood to make, right? Yeah. Yeah, the the TV markets and and deals like that were kind of the wild west in the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. because this was when it first became available that you could do that. And boy, was it wild! And it was yeah. it was you know a lot of schools like you mentioned Pitt don't really have a huge sell on the independent market when it comes to that, and they need to be in a conference that has other interesting schools, and and I think that you know the idea of there not being more independent schools moving forward ties back into the idea that schools don't like risks, right? Even if you're if you're in Ohio State, if you're in Michigan, if you're Oklahoma, Texas, 
you might stand to make a little bit more money maybe, or you would at least have a better deal for you right. if you're independent with your own TV deal. But what if you don't? <laughs> yeah, you and know? I mean, and like Notre Dame has made a huge amount of money by their uh, two playoff appearances. Yeah. Or two or three. I can't remember which it is, but... Um, yeah. I think, know, it's, I think it's three, maybe? One of those. Whereas like Clemson splits that payout with every one of the ACC whenever yeah. they go in. And I think Notre Dame might have this year, you know, generally when they're on their own, mm-hmm. they get 100% of the money of their share of that split. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of fucking it's a, it's money. It's a lot of money. So one playoff appearance makes up for like five or six years Notre Dame independent. So yeah. I mean, it's a huge difference. Um, anyway, going forward to point number four here. The forces that compelled the last round of conference realignment will not be what matters in the next stage of changes, mm-hmm. right? So the movement of schools like Rutgers, Maryland, Missouri, A&M, Louisville, and others were powered by the importance of TV markets. Yeah. Conferences sought to add money by pursuing new TV markets with millions and millions of households that subscribe to cable packages, bringing with them carriage fees. Carriage fees are the money networks receive from cable providers hosting their network as part of a larger subscription. For example, every time a Comcast or DirecTV subscriber choose to include the Big Ten Network as part of their cable package, the Big Ten gets a cut of that money, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. This is also TV markets and the idea of like expanding into, in the Big Ten's case, New, New York. York. Yeah. This is the entire foundational idea behind the, the modern-day CUSA, which is why it is absolutely fucked moving yeah. forward. It just because, doesn't matter at all anymore. Yeah, because it went and got schools like Charlotte and programs that are built around TV markets rather than the the Sunbelt approach at the G5 level, which was that it, hired, it, it went out and got established good football programs. Mm-hmm. And so the, the I'm sure that we'll get into this, but like that doesn't make sense anymore to do, right? And, yeah. and could you, why doesn't it make sense anymore? So with the movement to a la carte subscriptions like YouTube TV and the like that are kind of part uh, part of cable cutting en masse, en masse uh, carriage fees become less and less relevant by the week. What matters is having can't-miss games that keep viewers subscribed to packages. Yes. Online or traditional cable, either one, and generate massive viewership numbers. Um, This can be driven by high-level football games, um, your standard rival week matchups, or kind of top 10 face-offs between title contenders. But perhaps more durably, by schools that generate high levels of viewership year in and year out. So a great example of this, the difference between programs like Tennessee or Nebraska and schools like UCF. Mm -hmm. UCF has been consistently excellent at football for most of the last decade. Um, it has multiple top 25 finishes, the largest student enrollment in the country, and resides in a major media market in Orlando. Tennessee and Nebraska, on the other hand, have consistently sucked for years now. Yeah. We make fun of them all the time. They're dog shit. They're losers. Uh, <laughs> they're gum on the bottom of our shoes, Patrick. Yeah. yeah. But their dumb, dumb fans keep tuning in every single week in massive numbers because they are legacy programs. Yeah. People care about them every single year, no matter if they're good or not. You and, see, go ahead. And college football fans do at large as well. Even fans that aren't, you know, it's not crazy. of those teams. People like this is the thing in, you know, we're, we're approaching draft season. This is the thing in draft season. It's helmet scouting, right? right. It's, you know. This school traditionally uh, doesn't send out guys who are good in this specific position, or it does, and it's like that doesn't. <laughs> what does this matter? He's just wearing the same logo as yeah. that as those guys. I mean, I can it's, speak for myself. I've personally hate watched several Tennessee football games. The yeah, last couple years. yeah, we love to hate watch Tennessee football yeah. games. We love to hate watch Nebraska football games. There's something very appealing about those programs. Like I know for a fact I'm going to watch Nebraska Oklahoma this year, even though I know Oklahoma is going to win that game by 30 points because it's funny. Yeah, it's funny, and also. <laughs> Nebraska has the helmet. 
Right. That's Nebraska. You know, right. they're, they're, they're national champions. They Tennessee, matter. They have yes. media narratives. They, they yes. drive viewership. And like, even though like Tennessee is a growing population, but not a major one, it's not a major market. Nashville, mm-hmm. Memphis aren't really major markets. And they're I mean? also, Nashville and, and Memphis are less interested in Tennessee than they used to be. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and Omaha certainly is not a major market, <laughs> but those schools still have huge viewership numbers because they're alumni bases and just years and years of dedicated generational fandom. You know, mm-hmm. how many folks in the Eastern Hills of Tennessee uh, grew up watching Tennessee and so their dad and their grandpa and everybody else, right? Yeah. USC's in the top 15 every year. Yeah. Like entering the season. USC's in the top 15 every season. It's not because they're good. It's because they're USC. Right. Like that's that's how this works. Texas yeah. is back, right? It's the same idea. It's yeah. it's They're good because they're good. They're, the blue bloods, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. watch them because you watch them and that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. And so... It, and they it, do define the sport too. Yeah, if we're being and, honest. and it creates a very difficult situation for programs like UCF or like you know we constantly like to talk about this game BYU Coastal Carolina best mm-hmm. game of the season last season. I can guarantee you it didn't get as many viewers as any Tennessee game. No, it did not. Yeah. It didn't. It just it barely cra- it barely cracked a million viewers. Yeah, it was just which, not. It people don't tune in to watch Coastal Carolina even if it's better football than what you're going to get from a lot of the you know formerly good blue bloods. Like if you watched a Florida state game last season, you saw a worse football game than what coastal Carolina was doing. Right. That's just, that's the nature of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, UCF is valuable and kind of schools like them, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, um, others elevate the AAC over uh, other G5 conferences like the Mac or CUSA. Yeah. But they still don't come close to the value of schools that drive millions of viewers per week. Right. So massive games like Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, the like, um, coupled with lucrative conference championships and bowl games, uh, fuel and determine value for conferences and programs. Yeah, those games are why Fox spent ridiculous sums of money to land big nude Saturday, and why ESPN outbid CBS for the SEC game of the week. Yeah, there are very few marquee games, and a handful of schools generate almost all of them. So for any school to be added to a conference, it must either maintain the conference's current revenue value to TV networks or increase it by providing either marquee games or durable viewership. Yeah, and I think that's something that I I can give a good example of how this works functionally here. Um, I would imagine that, you know, just based on what I know about what we do here on this podcast and the people that enjoy this kind of podcast is – I think we have we probably have a much higher percentage of people who are willing to and interested in watching G5 games, Definitely. right? We certainly are. But think about this last season. Think about any college football season if you're somebody listening to this. When that ABC primetime game was on or when the, you know, CBS game was on at 3:30, did you watch it? I did. Because if you did, there was a good chance it wasn't a very good game, right? Most of those games weren't good, especially this past season. But in general, you get like Miami-Clemson, and Clemson beat the shit out of Miami this season. Right, and, and it, but the question that becomes, what else? You can, I mean, are you going to watch NC State-Louisville yeah, instead? Like, what like, else are you going to watch? It might be better. You know, the the, the CUSA game that's on at, at 8 p.m. might be better, but you're not going to watch that. You're going right. to watch the ABC game, because that's what you do, because mm-hmm. it has the programs in it. It has... You know, the helmets. It has Ohio State playing Nebraska. And is Ohio State going to win 62-3? to Yeah, but you're still going to watch it. Right, and, then and you still like, might see a few first-round picks on one side or the other. Yeah, and I don't think that, that, our, that our listener base is the lowest common denominator. I think that generally speaking, people, you know, the the market that we appeal to is, is a more informed college football viewer. Mm-hmm. And they still watch it. I still watch it. And I write a G5 newsletter, right? <laughs> like, it's just... There's something alluring about that, and these networks know that. They understand that. You know, it's that's the whole appeal. That's why, like you said, that's why they paid so much money for it. Right. 
Um, and just to kind of keep going off that, right, what we talked about, um, one other thing besides just the viewership numbers, at the Power 5 level, this realignment will not be driven, will not be driven by the geography or TV markets or basketball schools yeah. or even necessarily the quality of football you're playing, right? Yeah. What matters is how many eyeballs you can bring in week in and week out to your conference's most important football games that week. Yeah. That is where the big bucks are at. This is not necessarily true at the G5 levels of the sport. They largely um, realign or move in response to what happens at the P5 level and not the other way around. Um, but the large alumni bases of major flagship state schools in the Big Ten and Big 12 and consistently high fan engagement of the SEC drive viewership numbers that often outstrip the ACC and Pac-12. This is critical to understand for what we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. and I, I think to, to very quickly send us off on a, on a brief tangent here, this is how a lot of things work right now. This is how a lot of entertainment products work right mm-hmm. now. Think about, you know, the, the, a sports website that we're going to reference a lot in here, The Athletic, right? What did The Athletic do when it launched? Oh, it Bruce gra- Feldman. It grabbed a bunch of big names. Yeah. It grabbed a bunch of people that you know, right? And you kind of, if you were a college football fan before that, you kind of had to read them to yeah. be part of the online conversation, Yeah, right? that's that's where it is. They did it with the NBA, too. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they go out and... Got Shams. Yeah, they got they, they got Shams. They got people who are big names in these, in these both national and regional markets. They got the best beat writers, you yeah. know? Like, we talked to Bill Landis a couple episodes. That's the best Ohio State beat writer. And if you if you follow Ohio State, you're gonna want to read Bill. And so it's it's the same idea with all media products right now. It's the same idea with football. It's it's all about getting, you know, you have to get those those subscriptions and then you have to retain them. I mean, dude, it's the same idea with like network TV. Like yeah. think about how much money per episode CBS paid the Big Bang Theory actors, yes. right? Like yes. the only people that watch that show are like mostly your grandparents, yeah. but like they the still millions watch it. of your grandparents watch yeah, that. They I mean, still yeah. watch it. They watch it every week. Right, it's, which is why it's worth paying six different actors a million dollars plus per episode because it makes way more than that in advertisements. That's why they keep making Marvel movies. God help us. Yeah. I don't want to get on that tangent. I'm not, that's going to be dangerous. It's the same idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that leaves us with our fifth and final guiding point that we have to understand. Any changes that happen in the next round of conference realignment are almost certainly going to occur between or around the Big 12 and Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Neither stacks up financially to the SEC or Big 10. And unlike the ACC, they do not have a long-standing grant of rights locked in that would strengthen. I'm sorry, that would strong-arm their members into staying in the conference. Between the two westernmost P5 conferences in America, there are a few possibilities of how things can shape up. Yeah. Before we get into those, I think we're gonna take a quick musical break here, uh, and then I'm gonna dive into that. Okay. Yep. All right, guys. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I did force Pat to choose that song. Uh, Only at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> it was a water gun. Yeah. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. So uh, the first and kind of least likely option, in my opinion, for how this all could work is that these conferences uh, theoretically could look to expand by adding G5 or independent programs. Schools like Cincinnati, BYU, Boise State, UCF, the others you all know, right? Yeah. They've all been rumored at different times. Each has their own individual advantages, whether that's massive alumni bases for BYU and UCF or TV markets offered by schools like Houston, SMU, or Cincinnati. 
uh, the high-level football offered by Boise State and many of these other ones. Yeah. The Big 12 had virtually open auditions for G5 programs come throw themselves to the conference's feet, and the 10 member schools widely rejected all of the candidates, right? Yeah. Um, former West Virginia athletic director and uh, XFL CFO or CEO, I believe. I think so, yeah. Uh, Oliver Luck in 2014. It, I think he's also Andrew Luck's dad, He is Andrew right? Luck's dad, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, he's the former West Virginia AD, Oliver Luck. He said that there are no available teams, schools from the non-Power 5 leagues, that would add value to the Big 12's per school revenue. Yeah. Um, he said, our denominator is 10. The more you split it up, I don't think we can find a partner who's available right now to stay at the value we have per school let alone increase what we have. That staying at 10 is the consensus that we have, right? Yeah. That was in 2014 he said that. Now, go ahead. This tells me a couple things. Firstly, it, it tells me that they knew that this was going to happen a couple years ago, right? Like these athletic directors are, regardless of some of the hires that they make, I believe Oliver Luck hired Dana Holgerson, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think so. But He was there for a long He might hire yeah, Rich Rod too. He was there for maybe. a very long time. Which the Rich Rod hire was good. Dana, Dana, Dana less so. Um, got Bob Huggins though. <laughs> Bob Huggins, man. Um, but the, the thing that this tells me is that these guys in the Big 12 everywhere, right? These athletic directors kind of saw where the wind was blowing even in like 2014 this would have been the very start of you know streaming cord cutting i think playstation view was big around here right right and so i think that the big 12 kind of knew that tv markets specifically were not especially valuable especially given that cincinnati and houston and these other schools were campaigning right right and and the big 12 looked at that and said none of these schools draw enough eyes not necessarily Mm -hmm. that these schools have the television markets that cincinnati is not a huge draw Houston's not a huge draw. UCF, despite the fan base, is not a huge draw, right? And I, I think that this sort of, it, it, it is, like I said, it's telling. Because this is 2014. This is several years before we're, where we're at now. And, and they were also under pressure to expand because of the fact that they didn't have a conference title game, right? And they, at, were, and they were dog shit. Yeah, the Big 12 was really bad in 2014. Yeah, well, I mean, they had two really good teams yeah. with TCU and Baylor. The rest of the conference was just heinously bad yeah. behind them. Later on in the 2010s, I don't know if you remember this specifically, the Big 12 was like, people had it left for dead completely. Yeah, people were I like, mean, this conference is done. Like, right. This would have been like 2016, 2017. the third richest conference in America, <laughs> and Oklahoma is in the playoff almost every year. Yeah. Right? Things change quick. Yeah. Um, so much more recently from that Oliver Luck quote, uh, legendary former Texas Athletic Director DeLoss Dodds told ESPN uh, in December of 2020, that times continue to change, and I think the Big 12 is probably concerned about the number of institutions in the Big 12, the future TV contracts, and those kinds of things. I think there's going to be some mom- uh, some movement again in the next two, three, four years. I think things will change again. How that happens or when that happens, I'm not sure, but I think maybe the Big 12 probably needs more members. Yeah. Not a very definitive statement from DeLoss. He <laughs> maybe no. some probably's in there, but the point he's making is pretty clear, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's the guy who was intimately involved in those discussions at the time. We're going to get into that later on. Yeah. But the idea that the Big 12 needs to expand to add some more revenue, um, it's been pretty widely discussed, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's that's sort of the thing that has been talked about with the Big 12 is yeah. like, you know, you can only draw so much money with 10 schools. Right. So I sincerely doubt that Dodds is referring to adding G5 programs. But his overall idea of the Big 12 looking to expand or raid may not be wrong, necessarily. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. I mean, Dodds was responsible for outmaneuvering Larry Scott in the Pac-12 and keeping the Big 12 intact while securing the Longhorn Network in the same move during the last round of expansion. Yeah, which is not easy to do. It was impressive. 
Um, regardless, I think the overall point stands. The Big 12 openly rejected even the very best, largest, and wealthiest G5 programs, the most football success in massive media markets. Yeah. Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, SMU, and Houston all begged for admission to the conference and were denied. The Pac-12 has no interest in regional programs like San Diego State, BYU, and Boise State, and has never even seriously considered the option. There is no reason to believe that any of this has changed, right? Yeah. The second option should be considered, and is something that was recently pushed by the athletic Stuart Mandel and has been floated for over a decade now, is a model where the Pac-12 and Big 12 would remain independent conferences with independent schedules, champions, etc., yeah. but would bundle their media rights together. This would almost certainly involve crossover games where USC, Oregon, UCLA, and Washington were guaranteed to play Texas, Oklahoma, and any two other Big 12 programs annually. Whoever's good yeah. that year, basically. This, this is kind of like a – it's it's a less I, – I, I guess the, the other the, – the way to put it would be that it's a more intertwined, more directly connected version of like – the Big Ten ACC challenge, mm-hmm. right? This is a this is a Big Ten ACC challenge where the two conferences have a a lasting, significant, you know, market relationship outside of just that they play games against each other every yeah. single year. This would be a this would be if the Big Ten and the ACC played the challenge specifically because they had a deal where they played it every single year because they were intertwined permanently, right? Right. I mean, it offers high-level content to sell TV networks as major games. Uh, it kind of preserves the balance of the current Power Five. Mm-hmm. You know, it lets USC and then Texas and Oklahoma kind of maintain their own fiefdoms and kind of yeah. run their own conferences. It doesn't rock the boat too much, and it keeps stability for basically every conference. Yeah. I, right? I'll say this makes sense. I think that this makes sense to me as, some level. as a thing that, like, if you're looking for marquee games, people will watch Texas USC. Yes. That's just, I'm not, you know... People will watch Oregon, or, Oklahoma. Yeah, Oregon, Oklahoma. People will watch UCLA and um, third team in the Big Twelve yeah, yet to Baylor, be named Baylor. I guess yeah. um, gets a little sketchy yeah. <laughs> at that point. Um, Less but, miles, Kansas. Yeah. yeah, but like if you're hunting for big games, this gets you probably two or three more big games a season, right? Right, which is what they're doing. They're looking for big games, and more importantly, it's not because you can schedule them the season of. It's not based on whether or not a team may be good. Like that's yeah. the problem in his conference set, yes. right? They have three to four teams that are consistently good uh, between them combined. Yeah. And the rest, who knows, man. Yeah, this, Texas and USC played a couple years ago and they were both terrible. Yeah. Right? And that would have been a much bigger draw had they not both been, been terrible. Huge. It yeah. was still a big draw, but they mm-hmm. were they were not good. Same with Texas-Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. You get those big games set year of. That's huge. That's mm-hmm. a huge deal. If, if Oregon is at the top of the, you know, the Pac-12 and uh, Oklahoma's at the top of the Big 12, and they're both playoff contenders, and they're going to play in week eight, right? They're both 7-0. and People are going to watch that game. But here's the question, and it's something I think they're gonna, they would run into as a sticking point. Yeah. Why would the top teams in the conferences agree to that? That is tricky, yeah. USC already, and we're, I'm, I'm going to talk about this later on because it became a talking point and another issue. USC already plays Notre Dame at a conference every year. Yeah. They don't want to add a game with Oklahoma or a game yeah. with Texas. I, I think that the big three here are going to be the ones that are tricky with yes. this. You know, the 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 one Oklahoma, Texas, and USC. Those yes. are the three that could say no to this realistically. I don't think Oregon would. I don't think the TCU would. I don't think that they would have a reason to. And, and here's the thing. We already know this plan has been discussed and, and come very close to fruition. Yeah. So former longtime Kansas State Athletic Director John Curry, who also worked very briefly at Tennessee during the Greg Shiano debacle, and is now the athletic director at Wake Forest. 2010, he said, some kind of Big 12, Pac-12, or Pac-10 alliance could cover three time zones, meaning from a programming standpoint, you could sell that thing across the country. 
You could start those games at noon Eastern, 11 Central, and they go on all day. That's 12, 13, 14 hours of programming. Yeah. The combined footprint would equal approximately 31% of the TV households in the country. That might be attractive to somebody, right? Yeah. Curry's quotes at the time were almost certainly driven by Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott's courting of several Big 12 programs at the time with the idea. Yeah. In 2010, the Big 12 and Pac-12, according to The Athletic's Andy Staples and other reporting, explored the possibility of a scheduling alliance and shared media rights, headed up by Larry Scott. Ultimately, this deal was submarine because Scott instead opted to try to poach Texas, A&M, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Colorado from the Big 12 yeah. in a winner-take-all gambit. He very nearly pulled it off, but the expansion ultimately fell apart when Texas demanded the right to sell their own third-tier media rights, which is what we now know as the Longhorn Network. Yeah, which, if memory serves, they had, or they might still have. They might, I don't think they do anymore, but they, they used to have that. that. And do they? They still have it, yeah. Because I know that they, we'll have get into a, it later. they have a deal with ESPN+. Plus. Yes. But that's a big selling point in the Big 12, is that right. you get your third-tier rights, which I don't believe exists anywhere else. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, rather than bundling them as part of the Pac-12 network, they wouldn't be able to sell their own rights. Yeah. The Pac-12 network was pretty much the key to the entire idea, and bringing in Texas, Oklahoma, USC, A&M, UCLA, Oregon, and others all under the same roof would be incredibly lucrative, to say the least. Yeah. Um, there's no way to know if Texas was genuinely interested in the idea or was using the Pac-12's ambitions to strengthen their negotiating position to create the Longhorn Network as part of a stipulation of the Big 12's deal. But either way, it certainly worked their advantage or Dodds. Yeah. So Can I also say quickly here, mm-hmm. and I'm not the first to say this, and I'm sure I won't be the last as he, as he exits from the Pac-12 commissioner job, Larry Scott was so fucking close to being right. He got he really was close so to winning close. the whole damn thing. He was so close. I think that I think that everything he was doing with the Pac-12 network, with trying to essentially ruin the Big 12 and steal its best teams, he was so close. He had the right idea. He just got caught holding the bag. Right? Yeah. There's a uh, there's a yeah. famous vine that I think of uh, where there are two uh, teenagers, I guess, playing a game of a. Uh, uh, musical chairs. Yeah. Where at the very end, uh, the song goes, and this you know one person dives the chair and almost grabs it. The other guy just yanks the chair away. <laughs> yes. Larry Scott had the right idea to get the chair yeah. first. The chair got yanked from him. Yeah, I, I think that Larry Scott was very nearly the smartest man in college athletics. Right. I, mm-hmm. I think that I think that everything about his plan was solid. I think that his you know he he was. Uh, he was a, he was a point guard. He he had all the crossover moves. He he <laughs> he had set up to his defender perfectly. He had an open three, and it just didn't go in. Yeah, it it just it was really close, and he didn't hit it. And he tried to recover afterwards too. Yeah, because the Pac-12 and Big Ten later pursued a very similar media plan and went as far as to formally announce it in December 2011. Yes, they had a plan where each of the member schools, then it was 12 apiece, before Maryland and Rutgers joined the conference, would play a member of the other conference every year. Um, it was modeled after the ACC Big Ten Challenge that happens every year in basketball. Um, it was canceled seven months later, according to Stuart Mandel, because USC was unwilling to commit to the plan when they already had an annual non-conference game with Notre Dame. Yeah, USC not being willing to fully buy into the Pac-12's plans has been a running theme for years and something that has become very public as of late during the new round of conference realignment discussion. I'm going to get into that soon, okay? Can I ask you something quickly here Please that do. you might not have the answer to? Um, I have but all the answers. Yeah, I'm still curious about. Why did the ACC and Big Ten do this in basketball? If it's so difficult to get it done in football, why is it just because there's more games? It's a lot different in basketball. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can have 10 losses and still be a, a, a five seed. You know what I yeah. mean? So uh, would the key to this, would it be playoff expansion? 
it'd be playoff expansion. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing is like early on during the playoff when people we're talking about resume, right? Remember yeah. that 2014 year where there were yes. six teams that were 12 and one or better, yeah, where people thought that this was going to be a consistent thing, where there was like a debate going on, and it wasn't just the same four right. teams. <laughs> I mean, that really did spur a lot of non-conference games to be scheduled because yes. the idea was you have to have the most marquee wins in the country to get in. Yeah. Now that we know, all you have to do is win all of your games. Yeah, you just have to go undefeated and you're in. Yeah, unless you, you're you should a play G5 the easiest team. schedule possible. Yeah. Right. The yeah. only teams that you want to play in hard games are G5 teams, and they can't get hard games because the Power 5 teams have no reason to play them. Yes. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it's it's bad. Yeah, but I mean, in in the uh, basketball side of this, you want to have Q1, what do they call them, uh, quad one yeah, games? Yeah, yeah quad you want to have, one wins. Yeah, you want to have games against other top teams. Because even if you might, you know, fuck up and lose to Purdue in the middle of the winter when they're, or, or, yeah. or maybe you lose to Minnesota, some, you know, bad Big Ten team. Yeah. Because you already beat North Carolina in the first week of the season, or and then you also played a close game with Gonzaga and uh, in Atlantis, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. You have a resume that shows you can compete and yeah. beat top teams, and it can make your conference look better too if sure you perform does. well in the non-conference. The the thing that I think of, this is a constant, you know, um, gambit for us because we're in Columbus and I cover the team and Ryan, you know, watches the team. But I think of Ohio State this last season in basketball. They had nine losses. They were a two seed. Because they mm-hmm. played in the Big Ten and they yes. played a good non-conference schedule, and so I, I do think that 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 certainly makes sense, and I think that it, it makes a case for playoff expansion in college football because yeah. you would get better games. And, and not to get too far down this road, also, but uh, kind of the money and in, in, in basketball is driven by getting into the tournament. That's yeah. how you get a larger share of the pie. Yes, and kind of no matter which team ends up winning those games, both those conferences are getting at least seven or eight teams in the tournament yeah. almost so, every year. Yeah, so what we're saying is that we need a 64-team college football playoff. You're hearing it more and more, folks. <laughs> okay, um, back to the uh, to the expansion talk. So Yeah, so the question I wanted to ask here is, is this media alliance and kind of bundling of media rights realistic, right? It seems like the difference in models in the two conferences would create some serious snags. Mm-hmm. Um, like you touched on before, the Big 12 is the only Power 5 network without its, conf- without its own conference network. The league bundles together its first and second tier rights to sell to Fox and ESPN, but each school retains its own third tier media rights. This allows Texas and Oklahoma, for example, to net north of $10 million annually each in additional revenue for the Longhorn Network and Sooner Sports TV. Yeah. Whereas schools like Kansas sell games to stadium or those silly pay-per-view games you may have seen everyone bitch about on Twitter, right? Texas Tech, for example, makes about $1 million per year off of those rights. Yeah. A huge difference between them in Texas and, and Oregon. Or, I'm sorry, Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, all other conferences sell their third-tier rights back to the conference and bundle them for things like conference networks. Pac-12 schools, as of 2018, received $2.7 million annually. Yeah, $2.70. Uh, <laughs> Larry Scott just yeah. showing up at USC's doors is like, listen, man, just I'm sorry. Mails them a box of pennies <laughs> to piss them off more. Yeah. Uh, so Pac-12 schools receive $2.7 million annually each from the third-tier rights and an equal revenue share split from the Pac-12 network. Eight of the ten schools in the Big 12 uh, bundled theirs rights together, which is that ESPN Plus deal you're talking about. Yes. Um, uh, and, but Oklahoma and Texas gained far more money by going at it on their own. Yeah. Um, it goes without saying that USC would stand to make significantly more than less than $3 million annually by creating its own network 
or selling its third tier rights on its own rather than sticking with the Pac-12 network, right? Yeah. That's intuitive. We all understand yes. that. And I, I think that the big 12 teams that aren't Oklahoma and Texas banding together to sell to ESPN Plus makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think that that was a good idea. It's just not worth much. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth much. If I'm ESPN Plus, I'm not paying a ton for that because it's like, okay, yeah, I guess. Right. Um, but it's better but, than being on fucking Stadium yeah. or Facebook. Yeah, yeah. and I, I do think that this <laughs> might lead... I guess to the bottom of the Big 12 improving a little bit just because they're going to be getting a slight amount of money more than they were before, right? I think that the I fact think it's that marginal for me to mar- I think it's marginal, but the fact that Kansas was trying to sell third tier rights games to like, you know, like you said stadium, that's worth nothing. A, yeah. can- a Kansas game against like Sacramento State is worth no money nothing. at all. I wouldn't pay for it. But here's where it does help. You can actually have recruits watch your game. Yes. That is what it matters for. Yes. You, you can have recruits actually see you on TV or on their app, rather, instead yes. of, uh, you know, not watching your game at all. Yeah, ever. yeah. You're saying that we're playing on ESPN, and then you're whispering the plus thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're on... Uh, I mean, there was literally a Kansas pay-per-view game you had to buy from their school website. Yeah, which is insane. It's so funny. Imagine buying that. <laughs> <laughs> There's some sickos out there who did it. <laughs> Listen, if you know anyone who bought the Kansas pay-per-view, DM us. Yeah. We will get them help. Yeah, if you know anybody who bought the Kansas pay-per-view, please report them to the police. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's where things get spicy with USC, right? Yeah. In February 2020, a little over a year ago, when he was asked on a podcast if USC would consider going independent, Trojans Athletic Director Mike Bone, who was about two months into the job at the time, now he's obviously a little over a year in. He was at Cincinnati, right? Yes, for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. Very good athletic director. It was, yeah. a, was a coup hire for uh, USC. Yeah. Um. He said, I think right now, Larry, me and Larry Scott, would agree with this. Everything is on the table. Everything is on the table, right? Yeah. Bone later walked back these comments and told Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. The answer is no. Why would we do that? We've got 21 sports here. You know the drill. There would be no way for us to do that. Now, that being said... <laughs> However... <laughs> now, that being said, if the unexpected happened mm. and NBC said, hey, we want to partner you guys with Notre Dame, then that's different. He also added this. There's no talk of leaving, but guess what? If it was on the table, we would certainly explore that. But I've got to be careful. The league is really tender. The context that I was talking about was whether it was league TV stuff, creative pieces, any other type of deliverable. It has to be on the table. Guess what? If that helps the league understand the importance of what our campuses are going through, so be it. Yeah, boy, I love including that he th- that at, the, at that first comment that he thinks Larry would agree with it. Just like saying, like, no, listen, it's okay. My husband he wants to watch. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Oh my god, this is the two episodes in a row we're talking about cuckolding between the Falwell comments. <laughs> oh my god, it's just Larry Scott just like nodding. He's just like, yeah, it's fine if USC leaves. That's good actually. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm into that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I love my wife's boyfriend. Yeah. Um, so it kind of seems like between the conflicting Fox and ESPN deals, the Pac-12 network, independent third-tier rights in the Big 12, um, different contract timing, and kind of potential business partners, it's hard to imagine how the media alliance would add enough value to become worth it, right? Yeah. It makes some sense on a surface level, but the mechanics can be very unrealistic the more that you dig down and kind of realize what the, the power players actually want out of this, which is yes. not that. Yeah, it's, it's always... All of this stuff is going to revolve largely around, like, seven schools, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Oklahoma, Texas, and USC. We said it before. Those guys are very difficult here. If one of those three pulls the rug out front of this, it's just not going to work. That's it. It gets done. You you cannot sell 
the Pac-12 without USC. You cannot sell the Big 12 without, like we just talked about the ESPN Plus deal. It's worthless. Right. You don't have the two teams that we care about, mm-hmm. right? Like You're a G5 league at that yeah, point. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> here's $2 million per game, I guess. Yeah, right? you're like, maybe worse than Mountain West. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, your best your best school of this group well, is, is, is Oklahoma Baylor. Oklahoma State with Spencer Sanders. Yeah, Thanks yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank, great. Mike Gundy and... Um, <laughs> oh, cool. Dave, I get yeah. to watch Mike Gundy get mad for yeah, three hours. Yeah, cool. I get Dave Aranda playing again. Um, Matt Wells, I guess. Yeah, for it, now. Yeah. yeah, it's just it doesn't. It's the same thing in the in the Pac-12. I guess Oregon is slightly more valuable than like Oklahoma right. State. Washington is a high fan. They have a consistent yes. fan base. Yeah. Like there, there, uh, there's appeal. You still like yeah. you, you have enough legacy schools there and just legacy rivalries that that yeah. would maybe hold up a little better yeah, but, but it's still a house of cards there was a reason that people were talking about like i mentioned earlier the big 12 dying it's mm-hmm. because people were talking about oklahoma and texas leaving and if that happens you're done that's it what are you gonna do who are you gonna who do you replace them with yeah you have a bunch of private schools or like small state schools that are just absolutely fucked yeah you you go out and you get houston and you're like okay be go, go on become texas yeah yeah and, and houston's <laughs> biggest booster right now is broke yeah you're just poking it with a stick yeah, asking hey, why dana holgerson won't win games yeah what the hell? Why did Tom Herman leave? You went three and five again, <laughs> dude. We need you to be Texas. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a non-starter. So next, I kind of want to expand a little bit further on the Pac-12 network, right? Yeah. Um, let's kind of dive into that a little bit more because I, I think there's some real information to be gleaned there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pac-12 network is going to die, uh, or at least die in the current manner that we understand it. Yeah, because the Pac-12 owns and operates its own network independently. It spends more than triple the percentage of any other Power 5 conference on things like employee salaries and benefits and IT. According to a report from LA Times writer uh, Tukni Wynn, the Pac-12's costs are enormous compared to other Power 5 conferences. They only distribute 75% of their expenses back to members as of 2018-19, while no other Power 5 conference was below 90%. Yeah. A good illustration of this is the Pac-12 generates approximately $300,000 more per school annually in revenue in the Big 12, but the Big 12 distributes $7 million more per school back to them the Pac-12 does. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a huge difference. You're making a little bit more and getting yeah. so much less. Yeah. Um, especially when you're talking about like kind of the money they're making, that's like 20% of like what you would get a year. The Pac-12 is, like we were saying with Larry Scott, he was so close. This shit is so poorly run. So bad. It's, I mean, it's they got just, caught on the bag, right? I mean, yeah. like, there's you know, so much excess, excess fat here. Right. It's just like, what the fuck? Like, they had the really expensive headquarters and mm-hmm. shit like that. Like, in San what Francisco, the fuck they are play, you guys doing? Yeah, yeah they pay rent yeah. in San Francisco, whereas, yeah. like, Dallas pays it in, like, a, a corporate tax haven, like yeah. Frisco. You, you know have a mean? school in fucking Utah. Why are you in California? No Why is your headquarter in California? Go to fucking Nevada and go out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, and a huge part of this, like you said, is the inefficiency of running and operating your own network and yeah. assuming all of those costs for yourself. So additionally, another report from John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group on the Pac-12 search for a new commissioner to replace Larry Scott. Uh, Larry Scott did resign, mm-hmm. uh, kind of resign, was maybe forced to resign. Anyway, um, the the search for a new commissioner uh, it, it implies that the future of the Pac-12 network is essentially open-ended and negotiable. Yeah. It describes the network as a, quote, key asset, but it also says there'll be need to be assessed and strategized on. I love to assess and strategize yeah, we, on things. We really do. Can I ask you quickly? Yes. You mentioned something in the last the last little bit that I'm mm-hmm. interested in that the Pac-12 runs its own network. How does that differ from the Big Ten and, and things like that? Does Fox run the Big Ten network? Is yes. that correct? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, basically the you know the Big Ten just sells all of those rights as a group to yes. the Fox or or, or the, the ACC sells them to ESPN, right? Yeah. And um, they just get the money back from it. Yeah, which is why you see Fox personalities on the Big Ten network. Right. Sometimes. So so that means that I'm sure 
there's plenty of profit to be gained from uh, yeah. Fox and ESPN. There's also no risk for the conferences. They just yeah. know they're getting a fixed amount of money. They know what that money is yeah. every year. It allows schools to operate much more comfortably. It's like hiring a gardener. You know that yeah. it's you know what you're getting. You know it's going to be good. You could maybe do or it for cheap. Boy, to fuck your yeah, wife. Yeah, exactly. You could maybe do it for cheaper, <laughs> right? But there's a there's a good chance that it's not going to be as good. You need a professional. Yeah, there's yeah. a good chance that you can't fuck your wife as good as the pool boy. <laughs> Why well, take the risk? <laughs> Just let a professional do it. Oh man. <laughs> So the do- <laughs> the job description also says, while historically intercollegiate conference offices have been focused on sport operations in the business of the quote collective, yeah, the Pac-12 was open to a more modern conference structure and approach, which can be seen in several professional sports leagues. It's open to a more modern kind of relationship. Yeah, the, Pac- the Pac-12 is swinging. <laughs> the, the, the Pac-12 is going to become a thruple. <laughs> so, despite initial reports from Sports Business Daily indicating that Apple may have been, had an interest in purchasing the Pac-12's media rights... Apple plays a big part in all of this. Like, Apple it, is... We thought it would, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a follow-up report indicated that Apple felt the Pac-12 would not be a big enough introduction to live sports to make Apple, or even Amazon, Facebook, or other companies... Bite and bid on the rights. Larry Scott's strategy in pursuing a partnership uh, with an investment bank called the Rain Group. More on that soon. We love investment banks, don't we, we do. folks? Yeah. Uh, in waiting to make any major moves until the very end of their TV rights deal, was rooted in pursuing potential non-traditional partnerships, like with the aforementioned tech giants, to drive up the bargaining price with traditional legacy networks like ABC, CBS, or Fox. Yeah. Scott told Wilner that 2021 would be an inflection point where NFL broadcasting rights and how they're bought and sold would provide more information for college football conferences as to which potential partners would have the cash to work with. Yeah, you, you all might remember there was like a Thursday night. There was a there was an NFL thing where a lot of Thursday night games were broadcast on Twitter, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of... I, that's I think what Amazon has games yeah, now as well. Yeah, yeah. it's, right. it's new new ways to broadcast games. And it's, their their rights are up, I believe, 2023 is the year there's end. Okay. So... They're, so Kind of some of the thought process is that there's going to be so much cash going towards keeping the NFL because all these companies, like, live sports are all they have right now. Like, yeah. like you have to keep those. And if you don't, uh, you're screwed. So, yeah. so the bargaining is going to be driven up so high. There's worry there won't be money left for someone like the Pac-12. Yeah, the big secret is that no one is watching ESPN outside of the live sports. Mm-hmm. No one's doing it. It's just, it's on in the background of, like, barber shops. Right. That's it. Um, so Scott told, uh, or I'm sorry here, uh, obviously uh, Larry Scott has since resigned um, and will not see this plan to fruition, right? Yeah. Um, as the SEC has locked up a major deal with ESPN, Apple has passed on the Pac-12, it seems possible that Pac-12 stakeholders felt that Scott's strategy was misguided, right? Yeah. Um, did that contribute to his forced resignation? Uh, forced resignation, I'd say? That's mm. certainly mm. a possibility. Yeah, we're, we're looking into it. Yeah, we're hearing more and more. Yeah. Um, we're not the only ones looking into it either. <laughs> a lot of folks. And yeah. One of them is the guy we love here, John Wilner. Yeah. Uh, Wilner, uh, the Bay Area News Group, I think I mentioned him already, has had a few pieces of really excellent reporting yeah. that provide he, some really fascinating insight into what the Pac-12 situation will be moving forward. He is probably the best person on on the Pac-12 stuff to, to follow. Yeah. I, I think he got dunked on a lot a while ago for his AP votes, right? Yeah. He knows his shit when it comes to the Pac-12. Yes. Yeah, he is, uh, he is as good as it gets out and there. And we are leaning very heavily on his reporting and writing to kind of flesh out this Pac-12 segment here, yeah. uh, among other sources, but I, I mean, I just want to give a huge tip the cap to Wilner for the excellent work. I'm yeah. sure he will never hear this, but no. salute to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good stuff from him. Yeah, thanks, John. 
Johnny. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> okay. Um, so the first piece we're going to talk about kind of comes from August 2020, right? Uh, Wilner reported at the time about a loan program the Pac-12 could have pursued in the event of a full season cancellation <clears throat> uh, as a way to make up for lost football revenue. Yeah. Uh, Pac-12 commissioner Larry Scott, who has since announced the recognition, yeah. and that'll take he will officially resign at the end of June 2021, which is coming up very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, he hired an investment bank called the Rain Group in January 2019. He hired the Rain Man. <laughs> come on, <laughs> uh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, he hired Sean Kemp, the Rain Man. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, he hired the Rain Group in January 2019 to help explore the possibility of. Um, long-term partnerships with investment and media companies that would serve twin purposes. This is a quote. Yeah. Um, provide infusion of upfront cash to bolster the athletic departments and align the conference with a strategic partner to enhance the value of its media rights. Yeah. As a quick aside here, uh, Wilner also reported uh, a very funny email from Oregon's president that seemed to heavily imply uh, Larry Scott would get some kind of kickback or finder's fee from the rank group if a deal got finalized. Um, he was one of several officials who made like some snide comments about yeah. Scott in the emails that eventually got leaked. Um, anyway, <laughs> it was pretty very, funny. Very yeah. cool stuff yeah. going on there. <laughs> there. Yeah, there were like, he had like yeah. emails with like 10 key people on this and all of them were like, hmm, well... Larry didn't tell us this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. Actually, 45% of the Pac-12's TV revenue goes directly to Larry Scott. <laughs> he is, if you guys don't know this, he is was has by far the highest salary of any conference commissioner. That's weird. It's not even close. Uh, <laughs> he did such a good job. Yeah, when, when I mentioned like the uh, employee salaries thing from earlier, like all the stuff they spend, like, they spend stupid money on, Yeah. Uh, Pat mentioned the San Francisco media offices. Uh, Larry Scott's own salary, yeah. uh, all of like the assistant commissioner salaries, yes, sky high. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's it's ridiculous yeah. the amount of overhead that they had there. I mean, that's that's I would say account for like five to ten percent of that fifteen percent gap they have between yeah. them and everything. Which conference. I would say also is why you're hearing a lot of ads publicly say that they don't want the job. Mm-hmm. I think Gene Smith just did right. Yeah. Like this is not a great situation that the right. Pac-12 is in right now. There's a lot of salaries that if you want to make this not terrible, you're going to have to really do some work there. Yeah, they got to hire Bain Capital to come yeah. in and clean this up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's time to bring in, uh, shit, what is it called? The um, the one that did the bread price fixing in Canada. McKinsey. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're bringing in Mayor Pete and McKinsey to come uh, and clean this up. Pac-12 Commissioner Mayor Pete. <laughs> I don't want to think about that anymore. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> damn it. Oh, let me be clear. <laughs> <laughs> just the, like the okay i'm gonna get in trouble here i can't say anything i gotta i gotta move on oh, um, man. Wa- <laughs> watch out washington you're the huskies you're in danger <laughs> patrick i'm trying i'm trying really hard that i get in trouble um the rain group the rain group pursued this search for a media partner for approximately six months uh but they hit a key snag right Potential partners wanted member schools to commit to a grant of rights that would last 25 or 30 years, akin to those held by other major conferences. Here's a really interesting part. Mm -hmm. Both USC and UCLA refused to agree to it. That's weird. Hmm. Yeah, that's a weird thing to have happen. Hmm. Wilner estimated that over the five fiscal years from 2020 to 2024, and this was... uh, prior to the cancellation, so it assumed a regular year. Yeah. I assume numbers are still relative, but they're a little lower. Yeah. Um, the average Pac-12 school would receive between $128 and $139 million per school less than the Big Ten and SEC member schools. Yeah. 
That is a mass amount of money, more than $25 million per year per school on the low end. Yeah. More than $1.5 billion in a disparity of the Big Ten over a five-year window. Yeah, that's that's the difference between title contention and eight and four. That's that is a, a lot of money. That's a huge deal. The amount of facility upgrades you can do, coaches yes. you can hire, uh, bags you can drop, yeah. with, look, with a difference of $25 million per year, is is it's hard to fathom. Look at what Vanderbilt just announced. It's a $300 million athletics facility investment. Look at the big... I'm sorry, look at Northwestern. Yeah. Northwestern is like a private yeah, school. Yeah, it has that, a beautiful facility right on the lake. You know how expensive that property is? Very, it's unreal. Yeah. I mean, that is like of like Chicago lakefront property is yeah. about as expensive as it gets anywhere in America. That's like downtown yeah. Manhattan expensive. And, and think what you could do with that kind of money if you're say in Seattle, if you're mm-hmm. in you know what if southern, you're in Corvallis, yeah, if you're in Corvallis, if you're in southern Louisiana, you need that kind of money. Mm-hmm. You need to be bringing in that money if you want to make the kind of investments needed. If you're in Arizona where it's suddenly 110 degrees in January and you need an indoor facility that can handle that sort of thing, yeah. right? That money's a big deal. Yeah, it really It's is. a really, really big deal. Um, and I know kind of all that was a bit meandering, but I, I wanted to be able to paint a full picture of the current situations in the Pac-12 and Big 12 relative to both each other and their peers, right? Yeah. All that was designed to set me up for option number three. Yeah. Could the Big 12 raid the Pac-12? Like we talked about before, the Pac-12 previously came very close to successfully raiding the Big 12, and basically gutting the conference with the last round of realignment. Yeah. It's now the Pac-12 that is more vulnerable. Its most prominent member is openly disgruntled and would not commit to a long-term agreement, talking about pursuing independent media or, mm-hmm. or leaving the conference outright, right? Yeah. Um, its plan to pursue non-traditional media partners appears to be falling through. No one wants them. Yeah. It doesn't have a commissioner in place. It is saddled with an expensive conference network that costs the conference more money than it gains, and it has no natural path to expanding or really improving its own situation. It consistently produces the fewest major contenders in football and drew the lowest average attendance in 2019 of any Power 5 conference. Yeah. There's a lot of problems. Yeah, the the Olympic, um, you know, the really good Olympic programs out there are not the kind of draw that the Pac-12 needs them to be. And they're cutting them, too. Yeah. Like, schools are cutting the Olympic sports, which is yeah, what Stan- their whole thing is. Stanford is cutting wrestling, and Stanford has a really good wrestling program. Yeah, I mean, like, the Pac-12's whole deal is winning all the Olympic sports titles. Like, besides yeah. synchronized swimming, which goes to Ohio State every year, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why. Um, they got the bag. Yeah, sure. <laughs> synchronized swimming <laughs> bag. Like, they win, and wrestling is always a Big Ten school. Besides that, they win every other Olympic sport. Yes, yeah, track and field, um, regular swimming usually goes to a Pac-12 regular school. Regular swimming is what I was Yeah, regular swimming. Um, <laughs> baseball, they're really good at baseball. I think yeah. USC and UCLA specifically. The SEC is also excellent. Yeah, yeah the SEC is. The yeah. SEC is excellent culturally and not necessarily because of an investment. It's yeah. just that everybody down there can play baseball. Right. Know. And I mean, also only half the country can be good at baseball because they can practice in the in the, in the winter. Yeah, and Italians aren't allowed to be good at baseball, which I think a <laughs> lot of people don't know, uh, which really hampers the Big Ten. Yeah, Mike Piazza was actually pretty much the Jackie Robinson of my people. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, might just, uh... Hey, I'm breaking the color barrier over here. <laughs> oh my God. He was actually, yeah, he was the first oh. guy to eat roasted garlic cloves in the dugout. That's he, right. He, he used to chew them like... <laughs> He would chew garlic cloves like sunflower seeds. He just, you, you see Mike Piazza in the dugout. He's got garlic cloves in each cheek like he's <laughs> chewing tobacco. Oh, my God. He's got a lip full of garlic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so with just 10 members currently, the Big 12 has the room to take its pick of the litter and be choosy in raiding the Pac-12s uh, or any other conferences, right? 
any expansion would likely be predicated on landing USC and UCLA to be worthwhile. But mm-hmm. beyond that, figure out which of Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington, or the two Arizona schools would be most profitable to bring in the in the full and bring into the fold and most amenable to the move. If Oregon and Washington say that Wazoo and Oregon State have to come with, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. If Stanford or Cal aren't cultural fits, I don't think the Big 12 fits their academic standards, okay, half on one of the Olympic sports yeah. and sucking at everything else. The Arizona schools, I think, make the most sense here. <laughs> geographically and Geographically culturally. and in the fact that they don't really have any other permanent connections to the, to the Pac-12, right. at least in the sense where, like, I don't think they'd be terribly upset about not being able to bring along Colorado, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I think that they would be fine if both of them get to go and that's it. Oh, I would actually say that the Big 12 would get off on shanking Colorado after Colorado <laughs> screwed them over. I mean, they yeah. would be happy to do that, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, they would love to leave Colorado in the Mountain West Absolutely. with Colorado State. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I don't think that they would have any interest in Utah, um, I, I mm-hmm. at least not. There's no really, there's not really a natural pairing for yeah. Utah unless you can get BYU to buy in, which I don't think is even all that valuable. Right, but if you can get like Arizona, Arizona State, USC, UCLA to get that's the fourteen a, teams, that's a good package. That's a that's big a, deal. That's a really, really yeah. good. Package. Then at that point, you would have four fourteen-team conferences. Yeah, and it's a power four, and it all makes sense geographically. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that it almost if not culturally. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. USC and and Oklahoma State playing those fans maybe don't get along super well. Although it is funny that uh, when we talked about the G five stuff earlier. Uh, the Pac-12 is, does not like BYU because of the kind of the religious component. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, interesting enough, the Big 12 also turned them down over like the honor code stuff with LGBTQ rights. They yeah. were just like very mad about the uh, abuses of, of gay and lesbian folks and campuses. Yeah. And you wouldn't expect that, I guess, but but it was a big deal to the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to keep Austin weird, they're saying. <laughs> that's what we're saying. <laughs> that's yeah, what that's we're saying. Yeah. yeah. Texas football famously cares a lot about that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. That's, that's, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, definitely yeah, not just an Texas, easy yeah. cover for not wanting to take BYU. That's, that's right. That's for sure. Hook them. Yeah. Um, so, so that brings us to option number four, right? The most prominent competitor in my mind, option number three. Uh, again, option number three was the Big 12 rates, the Pac-12. Yeah. Option number four, would the Big 10 or SEC strike first by rating either or the Pac-12 and Big 12? If Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA, Oregon, or Washington were on the table, the two big boys would certainly make a pitch to try to land them yeah. despite any geographic challenges, right? Yeah. That stuff doesn't... When you're talking about the kind of money we're talking about, getting like $80 million per year per school in TV revenue, yeah. uh, you don't care about travel costs. It just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You double your money. Yeah, and I, I, it, it's, a, it's a no-brainer for a lot of these schools if that sort of thing comes about. And I think that... It would be, you know, like we talked about the cultural fits, right, would be very interesting because I think that a lot of the Pac-12 gets along pretty well with what the Big Ten does. Right. right? And, and schools, I mean, like the academic prestige of Cal yes. and Stanford would certainly appeal to the Big Twelve, um, Big Ten as well. I mean, like even Colorado or any of the other Texas or Arizona schools could be appealing to those conferences in the right circumstances, yeah. right? It's just difficult to see what those schools could stand to gain in the long run. So there would be a, a monetary increase for some of these schools in a move to one of the top two conferences. But is it better to be a big fish in a huge pond or the biggest fish in a still pretty damn big pond, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, which schools the Big Ten or SEC target too, right? We got to think about that. Yeah. So for the SEC, the answer is fairly straightforward. Um, the prizes are Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. Could they take other programs that came bundled with the two Blue Blood schools? It's possible. I mean, you know, Oklahoma State tagging along with the Sooners or um, Texas bringing along Texas Tech to give the SEC um, all three major public Texas universities. It's certainly possible. Yeah. But they would not deliberately target any others besides 
Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, and I think that the Big Ten, it would make sense. I mentioned culturally, I think that it would make sense if the Big Ten just grabbed the entire state of California. It's like, okay, you know, USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford. Pretty good fits for the Big Ten in terms of that commitment to Olympic, you know, that commitment to academics. I I think that obviously Texas and Oklahoma are more valuable, Mm -hmm. but I, I do think that the Big Ten would be pretty happy with that deal. And, and you touched on the academics there, and, and that is kind of the answer why the Big Ten is a little more complicated, right? Yes. Um, it's been an ever-present dynamic of the Big Ten's conference expansion that the schools they target are members of the Association of American Universities. Yeah. Um, it's an organization that's essentially a collection of the most prestigious research universities in the country, also two Canadian schools, whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, of the conference's 14 members, only Nebraska is no longer a member of the AAU. Yeah. Um, they were kicked out in 2011, apparently due to the way the AAU classified their medical school, which is not on the main campus, and also it's agricultural research funding from the USDA. I don't know enough about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we'll this, bring on local corn expert Luke Ward to yeah. talk about this in the future. This uh, is why West Virginia is never going to get a Big Ten look, or yes. Kentucky, or Cincinnati, right? <laughs> it's it's The Big Ten is... To, to put it in, in simpleton terms, like the ones that we like, the Big Ten is, is you know, a nerd. The, the mm-hmm. Big Ten is is very stuck up about this sort of thing. It loves academics, right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's important. Yeah. It, it, they, they value that. That's one Be- of their big sells. Right, because the conference is not... The conference is... We mostly understand them as athletic institutions, which to us, they are. Yeah. But they also function for shared research funding and kind of creating those relationships. And that is a... Like, when you're talking about the schools we're talking about, these major flagship state school research universities having those relationships are huge i mean yes. that is a really big deal yeah i mean look at some of the presidents at these universities right like yeah. they have big medical school connections they have big you know research school connections like gordon gee and um the, the current president christina johnson the, yeah. michael drake those three had such massive research funding and hospital this is at ohio state, at ohio state. i'm yes. sorry yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry i'm, I'm no, just, you're uh, fine i'm in the buckeye land over here yeah. uh the last three Ohio State University presidents, um, almost all of them are focused. Their number one goal was driving funding to the medical campus. Yeah. And that actually, it's crazy. Um, we're talking about them later on, but the MUP is another ranking member. I'll, I'll mention them later. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Ohio State as the number one research university in America ahead of Harvard and Princeton yeah. and Yale and Stanford because of how massive the medical development has grown. Yeah, I'll tell people, if you've not been in Columbus before, if you can't drive anywhere in Columbus without seeing the Wexner Medical Center. It's crazy. It's fucking massive. Right. It, it like is the, an entire part of downtown is the, and I, the medical center. And I come from Pittsburgh, where UPMC is, I think, the largest like uh, university-related medical chain in the country, essentially. Yeah. And like the second biggest Ohio State building, uh, the James, is bigger than any other hospital I've seen in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It is enormous yeah it 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 covers the entire city it it is like ohio state itself is a city because of the medical campus right and like like it's just ohio state's campus is like one city-sized area yeah then the off-campus living west of uh of high street i'm sorry uh yeah uh east of high street is what i'm going for is uh another city-sized area and then south of Neal is another city-sized area for the entire yeah. medical campus. It yeah. is massive. It's a big deal. It's a really, really big part of what billions Ohio State and does. Billions and billions yes. of dollars a year. And that's true of a lot of Big Ten schools, right? right. I don't I don't just mean to, to be Buckeye centric here, but it's the biggest one. Yeah. And it's the one that we're in. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. a good it makes reference sense for point. us to know about it. But like 
Michigan cares a lot about its research course, funding. Yeah. Michigan State cares school. a lot. Think about Northwestern. Yeah. Think about Illinois. I mean, like, like this is a big part of why the Big Ten makes so much money. Yeah. It, it's the it's the research. It's the medical centers. It's it's you know these are these are schools. These are universities. Yeah, and I mean, like athletics is like less than ten percent of the budget at most of these places. Like, yeah, a lot of it is be, is because and like, it's the, still a massive fucking budget. Oh sure, yeah, it's enormous. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so it's a little over my head, but it's it's pretty likely that uh, Nebraska would have not been invited to the Big Ten had the conference known it would lose AAU status eventually. Yes. They're actually pretty pissed off about that when that happened. Yeah. Um, but to get back to the original point, the following members of the Big 12 and Pac-12 are AAU members and kind of eligible, mm-hmm. theoretically, to add to the Big, 12, yeah. Uh, Big Ten. Yeah. So you have Arizona. So Arizona is a member of the AAU, but Arizona State is not mm-hmm. and is not close. It's kind of known as a safety school for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty widely believed that the state legislature of Arizona would require the two schools to stay in any conference together. Um, so this likely eliminates Arizona and Arizona State for the Big Ten, right? Yeah. Arizona yeah. State cannot join the Big Ten. Yeah, for reference about Arizona State, that was the school that I attended online for five minutes when I thought I still <laughs> wanted to go to college. Um, it's not hard to get in. Arizona State is the number one at producing porn stars, essentially. <laughs> yeah, like the, me. Yeah, <laughs> and the Phoenix area. That's pretty much what it does. It's the number one pool party campus in America. Yeah, yeah. so Arizona is out for yes. the Big Ten, essentially. Uh, next, I'm just going alphabetically here, by the way. Yeah. Next, we have Cal. Uh, it goes on saying that Cal Berkeley is one of the best universities in the country. Patrick yeah. touched on this with the Olympic sports. Great school, great research, great uh, non-revenue sports, if not revenue sports. Uh, A lot of really strong points for California, right? Yes. Um, You have Colorado next. Uh, Colorado is a traditional rival of Nebraska's and a flagship state university. Um, During the last round of expansion, it kind of would have made a lot of sense Mm -hmm. with Denver being a growing area. Pair it with Nebraska. Yeah, Yeah. but now I don't really know if they offer much to the Big Ten. I mean, they haven't been good at football since Cordell Stewart was there. Nobody's helmet watching (laughs) for Colorado. Yeah, I just don't really get the appeal here. Maybe Um, if if Carl Jarrell gets it going, but (laughs) probably not outside uh, of Boulder. Have you ever been to Boulder? Uh, no, I, cool place, I, I know it's pretty, but, yeah. uh, I don't know if it's drawing a bunch of eyes. I, uh, I would like to go back there again. I'd say it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'd recommend you go. At some yeah. Point beautiful area. Just for sure. Probably not great for what yeah, the big no need, trying no to do here. Yeah. Yeah. They don't produce enough talent. Yeah. yeah. They don't win enough games. Um, speaking of another place that does not win enough games or have enough talent, Iowa state. Yeah. Uh, obviously traditional rival of Iowa, but really has zero appeal for the conference besides that. Yeah. Uh, Matt Campbell's probably not going to stay forever. And that's the only thing that they have right now. Yeah. I mean, if you have two schools from Iowa in your conference, you are down bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. do that. Yeah. Not good. Um, we have Kansas next. Uh, they were rumored really heavily for the big 10 mm-hmm. early last decade. Um, but I'm just not sure they fit the current dynamic, right? Yeah, this, I mean, this would be a big investment in basketball, and the Big Ten's already pretty good at basketball. Yeah, what do you, what's the marginal gain of an extra like tournament yeah. team every year? And then not you much. have issues with Kansas State, right? Yes. Kind of the same thing with Arizona and Arizona yeah. State. They are, I think, rumored they would be forced to be paired with Kansas State. So yes. uh, you, again, Kansas State, no chance. Yeah, and this is not just a, a preference of the schools thing, right? Like you mm-hmm. mentioned with Arizona, this is a state legislation. Yes, kind yeah, of like thing. There, just to clarify this, there are laws about this in certain yes, states. Yes, you cannot break up these schools, right? That is, you know, it's a big, it's a big fucking deal in yeah. these states that these schools stay together. The really funny example is like whenever the Big Twelve was formed in the first place, uh, the then governor of Texas was a Baylor alum, and he was mm-hmm. like, "Look, I know all you public schools are getting together." Uh, you're taking Houston out and you're putting Baylor in. You don't yeah. have a say in it or else yeah. we're not going to let you get any state funding anymore. Yeah. They're like, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff here that is, it's, it, you know, goes a little bit 
above our pay grade yeah. that determines a lot of things in college yeah, athletics. Look, there are rich old white guys in suits who are telling you who you can and cannot play. Yeah, and, hey, uh, Kansas State, you are never going to be allowed to be one of the big boys. Yeah, Cincinnati, sorry, you're not going to get into the Big Ten because Ohio State wouldn't be, you know, yeah. a fan of that sort yeah. of thing. Like, that's, it's just the way that it is. To, to put it in kind of vulgar terms here, Ohio State and Texas and Oklahoma are the big swinging dicks in the room, yeah. and uh, they are not letting anybody else get in on that. Yeah, to put it in less vulgar terms, to quote, to quote um, Chris Brown's look at me now how can you hate from outside the club you can't even get in <laughs> it's true <laughs> um, just to keep doing quotes here uh, to quote uh, Kanye West mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to quote Kanye no. West okay. Okay. Who's, uh, treat who's my bands like the club uh, can my bands get in no, no. Tre- oh, it's treat your bands treat your friends like my bands next up is Oregon <laughs> <laughs> god damn it we're cutting out from the pod I'm well, not it's please staying cut in. out from the no, pod no it's staying in <laughs> kill me All I'll right. just put the actual lyric in yeah actually that's good do that okay yeah sure she said can you get my friends in the club I said can you get my bands in the club if not treat your friends like my bands park their ass outside to the evening end all right, uh, and you just come back from Kanye West hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, uh, Oregon, uh, Oregon would make a ton of sense to the Big Ten. It's a big state school. It's competitive in a lot of sports. It seems like a very natural fit, right? I mean, like Oregon is is a, a growing state population. Everywhere's kind of growing on the coast. A lot of appeal there. Really good at football. The Nike aspect is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just really good research school. There's a, there's a lot of reasons to like Oregon. Yeah, I think Oregon um, makes sense as a potential rival for Ohio State, even because that's <laughs> those are two schools that have gotten pretty familiar in the last yeah. couple of years. And I think that Oregon, I think, compares pretty favorably to like a Penn State. Yeah, Oregon is like what Colorado would be if they were good. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so next up, so anyway, I think Oregon of the schools mentioned so far is probably number one on this list. Cal yeah. is a contender, but I think Oregon. It's is the not most. an especially illustrious list to this point. It gets right. a little bit better later yeah, on. Yeah, just stick with us here, boys. <laughs> Oregon is the best of the small, the small mm-hmm. fries early on. Uh, next we have Stanford. So it's it's pretty much in the Cal Berkeley boat. Uh, it's great at a lot of Olympic sports. It's an incredible academic university. Yeah. Not a ton of sports appeal, but it's not bad either. Obviously, that I, those David yeah. Shaw and Jim Harbaugh teams won some games, but uh, lately they have not. <laughs> yeah, I think least. I think that, and this will offend anyone who is, who goes to Cal or is a fan of Cal. I think Stanford is slightly better Cal, right? It's just it's, it's less cool. Yeah, uh, I think Cal is way cooler as a place to be. Well, I, sure, but I, I think in terms of athletics, I think Stanford is slightly oh, yeah, better. Oh, Cal. definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their swimming's awesome. Yeah, uh, Stanford has the best Olympic sports in the country, right? No and, and I think that their football program is at least marginally better. It's passable. Basketball's yeah. awful, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, they had uh, who was the guy who who's going? Oh, they to the, had that one small four that was really was good, right? Jaya or something. I don't remember yeah. his name. I didn't watch Pac-12 basketball. Anyway, fuck him. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> so Stanford, you know, not a ton of sports appeal, but it's not a bad option. Uh, next up, we have Texas. Texas is, in my opinion, I know you disagree with me here earlier. I think they are the great white whale for the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, it is a massive land-grant university. Uh, it's excellent uh, as a school. It's a great research school. Um, it's competitive in nearly every single sport. I think they field the most sports teams in the country, right? That sounds right, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's the most profitable athletic department. I think it used to be Stanford, but Stanford cut down on some right, sports. Right. I think, I, I, think it, I think it might be Ohio State actually right now. It's like Ohio State and then Texas. I think Ohio State has 33. I don't it's, know. And Texas is in the 30s too. It's okay. close for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, I mean, they, and I know for a fact they are the most profitable athletic department in the country. Uh, and like we said earlier, if they leave, the Big 12 is dead as a conference, period. Yes. So if Ohio State, I'm sorry, God, that's 
Buckeyes in the brain here, man. We're in trouble. Uh, if the Big Ten could add Texas... <laughs> if the Ohio State Conference. <laughs> I mean, literally, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, if the Big Ten could add uh, Texas, that would kill the Big 12, yes. and they would have their way up whatever else yes, they want. Yes, Texas is the prize here for everyone. Anyone. Right? I, I, I didn't see the yeah. Big Ten, yeah. Yeah, I did not mean to indicate earlier that the Big Ten wouldn't want Texas. The Big oh, Ten want wants... Yeah, yeah, everyone wants Texas. Yes. Texas is the school here. Like, if you land Texas and maybe a couple of the other prestigious schools we're talking about here, you go from getting, like, 75 mil a school to a year. Like, you're talking about 100 mil a year. Texas makes more money from donations than most of these schools make. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. Texas makes so much fucking money. It is so profitable. Yes. Yeah, Texas, it, There, I mean, <laughs> it, it, that's... That's the program, right? Texas yeah. Texas could build its own conference if it wanted to. Just I mean, out it of, literally has. Yeah, yeah. like that's <laughs> that it is it is the you you mentioned you know the big swinging dicks, right? Yeah, Texas is the biggest swinging right. dick. Like it is the Mark Wahlberg and Boogie <laughs> yes. Nights of this conference. Yeah. yeah, Texas is Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> like, this is it, it is a big deal yeah. it, to get Texas. There's a reason that the Big Twelve is still alive, and it's entirely because of Texas and Oklahoma and oh, yeah. mostly Texas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, next up we have UCLA. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just like Cal, they're one of the best uh, academic schools in the country. Um, this would be a great gift for the Big Ten for several reasons. I mean, UCLA is, obviously, it's not USC in football. Uh, in fact, it usually isn't very good, but it does still have prestige, which is what yeah. matters. Being a part of that rivalry game is a big deal. Um, people watch that school. People care about that school. It's in LA, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Like, it is a... Great uniforms. It's people... Oh, oh, yeah. beautiful uniforms. People watch UCLA, even if they're not ever really It's in the good. damn Rose Bowl, obviously. Yes. The Big Ten has a, a, a long history and a long like predilection for the Rose Bowl. So. I, think the UCLA, I think that UCLA fits the Big Ten in that, you know, the Rose Bowl thing, in the academic stuff, and in also that people remember it as being good despite it never actually being it's good. It's pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it just, it, it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the house that Josh Rosen built, they're calling it. <laughs> That's right, yes, yeah. Um, and then after that, we have the rival, we have USC. Um, it's an excellent school. I mean, it's a private university, and it would be only the second private school in the Big Ten besides Northwestern. Yeah. Um, that's the only snag. It yeah, fits on every other level. Here's prize number two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is behind Texas. It's the next biggest deal. It, yeah. it, it is. Uh, it's a massive deal. It's competitive in so many sports. It, it brings in massive donations. It's a great research university. Yeah. I mean, what more can you say? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's USC, right? It's yeah, the Trojans. It, it's if, fight on. It's, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's Sarkeesian getting drunk. It's, it's all the memories yeah. we all have of USC. Yeah, if, if you are, <laughs> if you're making a, a list of like the top five most valuable schools here, you know, Ohio State's in there, Texas is in there, USC is in there for sure. Like those yeah. are three of the top five. They might be the top three. Which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the money that comes from getting USC. And, and Ohio it, State's not available. Right. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too. The SEC cannot and will not get USC. They could get Texas. They USC could get and Oklahoma. The SEC would be so, so funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it won't happen, right? They they can't get them. So like, even if the SEC does your dirty work for you and even gets the prize for Texas, yeah, that means you're getting USC. Yeah. Does the SEC have private schools? Is Vanderbilt uh, private? Vanderbilt is definitely private. Okay. It's named after a Vanderbilt. Yeah. So that would make sense. okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if it, I don't know if it has any outside I of that. I think. Auburn's a private school? Maybe. I guess I guess that would make sense. Um, I think it... Uh, really, we're, yeah, I, I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, I, USC wouldn't fit culturally. I think we can leave it at that. USC would not fit in the SEC for a, for a number of reasons. 
that I think are pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, USC be a huge get again. And, and you know, uh, also a nice little thumb in the eye to Notre Dame too. Yeah. Uh, which I think the Big Ten likes to do. The Big Ten likes to kind of put their thumb in Notre Dame's eye when they yeah. can. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Utah. I would say Utah is kind of in the same boat as Iowa State, where I just don't know what it would have to offer that the Big Ten wants. I don't see any yeah. fit. I don't see any reason yeah. to do this. Utah, Colorado. You know, Iowa State, they're all sort of, eh, whatever. Just, yeah, no appeal. If, if you miss on everybody else, I guess. But, and even that, I, yeah. met, I think you would lose money out in Utah. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't really make sense. Kyle Winningham's cool, though. We like him. Yeah, sure. Nice calves. Yeah, good program. Yeah, but calves. But not really one that the Big Ten needs. You have Iowa already. You're fine. Hmm. Here's the only appeal. If you add Kyle Winningham, yeah. you have... Two of the three most physically dangerous coaches in college football, <laughs> with Pat Fitzgerald being one of the other ones, and uh, Mario Cristobal running out the top three. Okay, no, no love for Luke Fickle, huh? Well, you've had Luke. Fickle. Luke Fickle is a Big Ten boy at heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Um, and he will be back in the Big Ten soon. Mm-hmm. So As the head coach of Ohio State when Ryan Day gets Larry Coker. <laughs> no comment. We're not doing this. Now. <laughs> it's time to bring home Randy Shannon of Ohio State. <laughs> We're not doing this, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me be, devil. Ohio State head coach Marcus Freeman. Be Let's gone go. From here, devil. Let's be go. Gone from here. <laughs> I'm making the cross of Patrick and spraying holy water at him right now. He's arriving. Uh, it's like the exorcist in here. Yes. Okay. Uh, finally, we have Washington. Um, Washington definitely fits as well. Uh, it's a growing school. It's in a growing city with Seattle. It's a huge city right now. Yeah. Um, it's a cultural fit with much of the Big Ten. It's a very similar situation to Oregon. Um, I think it's some scenario if the Big Ten could land. Even if they lose Texas and Oklahoma, if they were to land USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, they would be through the moon. Yes. That's a coup. Yeah. And you have, like you mentioned, Seattle is not go- not just a growing city. It's a growing football population. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is rapidly increasing more football, yeah. you know, and producing it, more football In this talent. 2021 class, it had three top 10 players. Yeah. Uh, with Sam Huard as the quarterback that went to Washington, I believe, mm-hmm. and then Emeka Egbuka to Ohio State, and JT Tumaloao is the signing between Ohio State and Alabama. Yeah. Uh, the number two overall player in America. So yeah, yeah, it's it, it doesn't produce a ton of talent, right? In terms of better depth, by the year. but yeah. it produces a lot of like a weird amount of top end talent. I think G Scott was from the the Seattle area last right. year, blue chip four star receiver. Um, it's it is a rapidly growing football culture out there. And, and obviously, we hate uh, Amazon on this podcast, mm-hmm. as well as you know, like Microsoft and Boeing, two other big corporations headquarters up there. Yeah, but. Uh, Guess what? Uh, tech companies and defense contractors are not getting smaller anytime no, soon. <laughs> that no. city is going to keep growing because the jobs are going to get more and more enormous. Yeah, yeah. The the feudal state out there is going to start producing <laughs> more and more football talent. I mean, it, it, we're joking, but it really is. Like, yeah, that, that's like if you're looking for for cities and places that are going to be producing more talent in upcoming years, look where Amazon is headquartered. Right? That sucks. Look where Facebook you, is at. Yeah, yeah, look where Facebook is at. Like, think about the the, the places that are producing better programs right mm-hmm. now. Nashville. Yeah. You know, Seattle, uh, the Arizona area, right? right? Where you can put a bunch of fucking tech farms because there's nothing else there, yeah, and By right? the way, I mean, like Washington and Tennessee, Texas, Florida, those are states that don't have income tax, state yeah. income tax, so they're going to keep growing because they're going to attract people that way, too. Yeah, hey, I wonder how NL- NIL rights are going to go in those schools. <laughs> hmm, uh, interesting. Yeah, hey, I wonder if uh, Washington's going to be really good in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, not with Jimmy Lake or not. No, with but- me. <laughs> Us? <laughs> Patrick, come on. Patrick, Shoot, just give me a job, dude. Pat, Pat. Pat. You, can, you can be my director of operations. All right, all right. I'll take it. All right. Um, I, I noticeably, you guys probably figured this out. Uh, I did not say Oklahoma as part of this list. because right? you're anti-Lincoln Riley. Hmm. Well, you're hearing it more and more. Uh, Oklahoma is part of... So so it's not a part of the AAU, right? Yeah. Um, 
Oklahoma is a part of the Carnegie Foundation's Research One Tier, which is about twice the size of AAU and another measure of prestige, right? Yeah. They also rank 49th in the MUP's uh, Public Research University ranking. Yeah. And there are 38 public schools that have AAU memberships. So that means there are about 10 or 11 schools outside of the AAU tier right now. Yeah, outside of the club, can't get in, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Ben's, you know, the friends. Yeah, whole yeah whatever. Yeah. You guys have heard that song by now already, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. Definitely. Uh, so those two categorizations are, besides the AAU, the best measures of research university prestige. So you could reasonably argue that Oklahoma is within striking distance of AAU membership, right? Um, and, and could maybe achieve it with the help of the Big Ten's significant academic funding. Yeah. I would lean towards the idea that the Big Ten would take Oklahoma and figure it out later if they could get them, but it's possible I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. I, they Nebraska only got in because they thought they were going to still be in the AAU. Yeah. And people have said, uh, both unnamed sources and named ones, that Nebraska would have... That Nebraska's own chancellor gave a quote. It was Harvey Perlman at the time. I don't know if it still is. Yeah. Gave a quote saying, we probably would have not gotten to the Big Ten if they knew we would not be in the yeah. AAU. Yeah, the Big Ten really cares about this. And, you know, like you said, maybe they grab Oklahoma yeah. and then they say, like, this percentage of your money has to go towards becoming an AAU program, right? right? But it's... The Big Ten doesn't traditionally operate like that. Yeah, that's because I mean, like if you're Gene Smith voting, right? You would say, "Well, hey, look, I'm going to go from getting 75 million a year for my athletic department to 100 million a year." Yeah. But Gene Smith doesn't vote, and that Gene yeah. Smith is Ohio's athletic director. To clarify, yes. yeah. Uh, you know who does vote is the Ohio State president. You yeah. Know who does vote is the Iowa president. Yeah. People the, who value the the academics of their school more yeah. than the athletics. Pencil necked right? pencil pushers. Yeah. Are people who do this is and that's not university administration. And that's not to say that they are wrong in that right like that's their job their job is to if you're a president in the big 10 your job is to uphold the academic prestige of your school that is your number one yes through number 10 directives is that you (laughs) do not the only thing you yeah do do not fuck up the bag do not let someone in that does not fit that culture that will drag the rest of you down right and oklahoma as it stands right now as funny as it is to say given that you said they're they're what 49th in the mup right Of public o- schools. Yeah. yeah. Oklahoma drags it down. They yeah. just do. It's it's not to say that it's a bad school. It's certainly not. Yeah. But that's the kind of company that we're talking about here. The Big Ten is the public ivy, right? Yes. We joke about it. It's true. It really it's is a, true. It's a yeah. real thing. The Pac-12 is the same way, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason, like, the Pac-12 went after Texas and not after Oklahoma as much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because, like, Texas fits this. Texas is a better school than Oklahoma. Yeah, I would almost, I almost wonder if Oklahoma is going to look into investing in that more as it knows that this is coming up. It's a little, I mean, it's not, they don't have enough time, if we're being yeah. honest. If this has to be a 10-year, 15-year project, it can't be a five-year project. Yeah. They just, I mean, like... Yeah, you can't press the make academics good money. Yeah, it's just way, way too hard. Yeah. And I mean, now, and the question is here, we talked about before, could the university presence convince themselves, look, they're in striking distance, they're 10 schools outside of making the cut, they have huge enrollment, a lot of money coming in, we get them more money. Yeah. Could we get them in the club? Yes. But are they going to take that risk? We already talked. They're yeah. risk adverse people inherently. They are risk adverse. Especially, they have to be. Especially if Oklahoma has two offers, and right. one of them is from a conference that's saying that they don't have to do that. Yes, they can invest all that money in football. football. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you. I think all you guys can assume what which, which conference yeah. that is, and and which offer would look more appealing to Oklahoma. No, I would say in a vacuum, they want the Big Ten. Right, the Big yeah. Ten gives you more money for football and for academics. But yeah, Oklahoma would like to be in the AAU. That yes. would. Be preferable. That would be, I mean, it's 
you know, we talk a lot about football in this podcast. It's a football podcast. But, yeah. like, the impact of an AAU membership is, like, some of these schools, you really might get more from being a member of the AAU and canceling football than yeah. you would from getting, like, into a better football <laughs> yes. conference. Yeah. It's, like, that big of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. We, you said the, the figure earlier is, like, 10% of the athletic budget. It's, right. And, know, and that's like, on the that's, high end. That's on the very yeah. high end. Yeah. That it's – these these programs, these universities are in the academic business first. Like, mm-hmm. They just they just are. Uh, is, as funny as it is to say with how, you know – enormous these athletic budgets are the vast 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 majority of money for these universities is coming still from academics yeah. but the interesting dynamic too is we don't we don't we which is really also i it. will say quickly why it's absolute horseshit when they say that they can't play when they, that they can't pay their players oh, none of joking, these programs yeah. are in the red yeah. there's not a they wouldn't exist if they were in the red these like, these mi- universities are making money <laughs> millions and millions of dollars in profit right you're yes. not but like like so, for example, this year again, I just I know Ohio State well, so I'm saying Ohio State. Yeah, uh, they canceled. Like they are required to spend a certain amount of money on like projects annually to like keep their nonprofit status, keep yeah. getting more funding. Yeah. So they just do like nonsense construction that doesn't change. Like that was constructed five years ago. You yes. know what I mean to update yeah. it. Yeah. They just like, built. They just built a tennis facility named after the current tennis coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they. Uh, they are currently like paying out of their own pocket to have every single student in their uh, sixty thousand person student body be tested for COVID twice a week as a condition yeah. to be on campus. Yeah, uh, just because they have the money to do it. Yeah. So like, the Ohio like, State, oh, we don't need to rebuild this road again. Yeah, Ohio State is building a men's hockey facility and a men's lacrosse facility That's specifically so that the women's teams aren't playing in. That's so <laughs> absurd. Again, and they're just pissing away money. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Ohio State just built a beautiful, it's called the Covelli Center, a beautiful Olympic facility that could very easily host the women's basketball team. It seats 4,000, which is about what they bring in. Women's basketball team doesn't play there. The only teams that play there are like fencing and volleyball and wrestling. Oh, by the way, Ohio State's fencing program is kick-ass. It's really really good. It's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's get away from Ohio State for a little bit here. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, This is our bad. Uh, please still listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, if you need more Ohio State Olympic stuff, I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the Buckeye Sports Bulletin podcast. Uh, anyway, um, there is also a question here of how big the Big Ten and SEC are willing to become, right? Yeah. They're both currently at 14 members uh, for football schools, full members. And like Oliver Luck talked about when the Big 12 considered the G5 schools, anyone you add has to make the pie larger and not smaller. Yeah. Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington would make the pie larger, not smaller. Yeah. Cal and Stanford are good enough to at least tread water, not make the pie smaller. And I'd, I'd argue with academic research, probably make it a little bigger, mm-hmm. especially for the SEC, but all of that wouldn't happen, of course. But, you know. Um, finally, uh, we see the top schools of the Pac-12 and Big 12. Um, could we see them band together in some kind of super conference merger? I mean, is that a possibility? A conference of Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, TCU, Baylor, Arizona, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, Colorado, Utah, Kansas, and Cal, and Stanford. I know. that's <laughs> Sorry, past cat just made an appearance. Uh, uh, is a hell of a 16-team conference, right? And that keeps most major rivalries in place, and it's competitive across most sports. Kansas State, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oregon State, Washington State, and West Virginia would be left out in the cold, right? Yeah. West Virginia probably finds an easy home in the ACC, but 
the rest of them, yeah, uh, it's, it's good luck in the AAC, shaky. the Mountain West, right? Yeah, I, I think that some of those fit in like the AAC. You know, some right. of those, like you mentioned, fit in the Mountain West. Some of them <laughs> maybe don't have a Go home independent. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, like Texas Tech, man. I don't know who wants Texas Tech. I, I guess the Mountain West. The AAC would take the, them. The, the, it's, it's a huge research university. Yeah. You, people the, still take them. The Cusa pairing Texas Tech with UTS. <laughs> you it's two are the. Funny. You two are the same. <laughs> oh man I mean so if we're being honest it's a, it's a pretty clear bottom tier of power five programs and, and quite a few of them are in these yeah. two western conferences yeah I mean Oregon State Washington State and Kansas State are certainly among the worst power five athletic departments yeah I mean there's no doubt about that right yeah. and it's not to say that these are bad football programs they some of them are certainly but it's the issue is much larger than football here you are second tier universities and second tier states yes. you just aren't I mean that, that's, that's just a simple you equation don't, you don't or appeal third tier states yeah, and Kansas the, the new math doesn't make sense for you. Yes. Right. It's it's just TV markets don't matter and you don't bring anybody in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah. I feel bad for you, but uh, get lost is my yeah. answer. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Iowa State would become like the equivalent of Colorado State. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. just a different ballgame nowadays. Yes. Um, so uh, the sixth option and our final one here, uh, it's a simple one and it's one that's kind of hard to believe for me, but it's, it's worse possibility. Things could just stay the same. Yeah. Right. This would be absolutely unprecedented in modern college football. Uh, major realignment has occurred every five to six years at minimum in power conferences since 1990. Yeah. The current lack of movement since 2014, uh, you call it the Pax Delaney, if you will, uh, is the longest period of stability since 1990 when all those independent choice schools we talked about. Yeah. But it's possible that the Pac-12 placates USC and UCLA, keeps them in the conference, which means that other schools wouldn't be worth stealing to the Big 12 or not on a large enough scale to kill either conference. Yeah. And maybe Texas and Oklahoma get offered by the Big Ten and SEC, but decide they'd rather run the show in the Big 12 than share the spotlight with Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, and those kind of schools. Yeah, I think that this is predicated around the Pac-12, the new Pac-12 commissioner being really good, right? Has like, to be, yeah. He has to be. It has to be a killer. It has to be like, um, I don't even know who would be able to do that, right? I don't know, like, I don't know this well enough. The, yeah, the, I mean, the UCLA AD Martin Jarmond is a future star, um, but I don't know... Man's name like, Martin Jarmond, come on. Yeah, former... Uh, uh, former Gene Smith, I guess current Gene Smith disciple, but yeah. like it's going to take some pretty serious maneuvering, right? Like, right? This is this is Larry Scott level of maneuvering, but you have to hit. You yes. you have to be right here to keep the Pac-12 intact. And if not, I mean, boy, you are. I mean, you're screwed, right? Yeah. And like, I, like I if just, USC decides they want to take their ball and go home, then the, your conference is that's probably it. dead. And yeah. I don't know how the Pac-12 does this without trying to raid the Big 12, right? Without trying to make some major move. I don't know how you stand pat and, and keep alive here. And there's no way to raid the Big 12 because you have nothing to yeah. offer them. You're yeah. offering less money yeah. I, I <laughs> and guess, less control. I guess the solution here, the only plausible solution for the for the Pac-12 is that Washington gets really good or something like yeah, that, right? I mean, it's that those, you know, those those growing cities do create better football teams. How and, fast and, can they grow? Yeah, though? makes it's, it more appealing, right? It's, I, I think it's, you know, that Washington hires a better coach than Jimmy Lake, yeah, that kind I mean, of thing. But guess what? Your window is next year. Yeah. I mean, next year, like, in 2022-2023, you'll already be playing your final year of your TV deal. Are yeah. you going to wait that? Are yeah. you going to play your final year out before you get a contract? Yeah, that, like, I, I don't see this. I don't see this as being yeah. a realistic. It's, the only way to keep all five of these conferences as Power 5 conferences 
is that media merger we talked about earlier. And again, I don't think that's realistic. I don't yeah, think the I don't dynamics think that, work. I think USC is just going to leave at that point. Right? Yes. I think that Texas and Oklahoma are just like, well, fuck this. Why do we right. need to do this? If USC could just say, okay, we can get the exact same first and second tier money we get from the Pac-12, except we can make way more money in our third tier rights, like quintuple our money on the third tier rights. Yeah. And we would have more power and less of like a, 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 a you know, I mean, less problems. Why would we not do that? Yeah, if if USC is looking at a is is looking at a deal where it could either hey you get to play you know either Texas or Oklahoma every single season and you make marginally more money or you could go join the Big Ten the USC USC is not going to take that first option. Yeah, I I just think there's just I don't understand how the Pac-12 could survive. I think yeah. they got screwed too bad in the Pac-12 deal. They spent too long in a deficit. I mean, the amount of money they already lose year over year over year compared to these other conferences is just going to keep getting worse. Mm-hmm. And unlike the ACC, those schools aren't locked in culturally to a place they've been for decades. Right? Yeah, we, just, we talked about cutting back on that overhead. It can't happen in a year, right? It just, it can't. It It, it, it is, this needed to start happening in like 2011 or even like, earlier. As soon as you missed on Texas, it had yeah, to happen. and it just didn't. It, it is, I, I think the, the Pac-12 as it is, as it is presently constructed is just not feasible moving forward and there's probably not a future for the Pac-12 unless it is some sort of Hail Mary where it can figure out a crazy TV deal with the Big 12 or you know Amazon like like really that is like uh, obviously we already know that Apple fell through mm -hmm. Uh, you have to go get Amazon to pay you yeah it it needs you know it needs one of those guys to save it and I just don't think that that's happening there's no reason to if you're one of those companies right you don't get any value from the Pac-12 right now yeah I mean I don't see it at all like yeah damn it's tough I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to say but I just think like and, and like, there is some thought process that maybe the uh, the Pac-12 is, the, is one of the more geographically protected conferences, just by yeah. virtue of having you know the entire western half of the country, basically. Yeah. But I don't think that's enough. I mean, I really don't. There aren't th- that many people out there. Yeah, it's, that's, it's pretty. That's wa- the it's thing, pretty and empty. a lot of them don't watch college sports. Especially, yes, it is not a region that culturally cares about college sports. Yeah, like the Midwest, the South, and the I guess you call it the Southwest or the, the, the Great Plains area that the, the Big Twelve operates in. Yeah. They care about college football. The people that are watching USC don't live in California. Yeah. Like the, I don't know if I would say the majority of them, but a lot of them don't right. live in California. And, and I hate to say this, like when we talked about the Big East episode and like why the Big East died. Yeah. But the Northeast didn't really care about football very much anymore and they stopped producing football players and their talent got worse and their team splintered because the good schools were like, hey, we got to go play good opponents and get more money for football. And the bad guys like, okay, well, we're just gonna suck still. Yeah. Like UConn and Temple are just like, okay, we're gonna be bad forever. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that could happen out west. Like if yeah. USC leaves the Big Ten, uh, I would, you know, those like Utah State is gonna be the worst uh, FBS school in the country is pretty soon afterwards. Yeah. And I just, I don't think that, and and like we talked about this a little bit on the Big East episode. I don't think you're gonna get a zombie back twelve either where it's like the Catholic schools of the Big East joining back to play basketball again. That's just the Mountain West. Yeah, it's just the Mountain West. And also, (laughs) there's not a basketball draw here. They're not going to get together so that they can play Olympic sports together. They just, as much as I love the Olympic sports, that's not going to happen. Well, I will caveat and say, like, there is a little bit of a basketball draw. I mean, like, like, California is a really good basketball producing area. Yeah. Uh, More so than, like... Oregon State isn't, though. You know, sure, yeah, for, I mean, definitely not. Although they did just make a Sweet Sixteen, okay, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's, a, that's a, you're right. Your yeah. larger point is right. Washington I'm, I'm State quibble, is. Yeah, I'm yeah. quibbling with yeah. you. I'm sorry. You're fine. Uh, we love pedantry. In this we podcast. really do. Yeah. Um, 
look, that's pretty much all I've got on the options. I think we talked through it pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Um, that's as much information and perspective as I've been able to gather after kind of pouring over uh, hours and hours of reading, interviews, notes, conversation. Um, do you have anything you want to add or kind of anything you want to talk about more? Um, do you want to try and predict what we think is going to happen here? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, sure. Um, you go first. Okay, so I think after you know going through all this and, and sort of weighing all these options, I think that there's there are a couple that make a lot of sense to me. I think that the thing that I end up coming down to is the the three conference model, essentially the three power five conference so power three conference model, where the ACC survives based on the fact that it is the ACC. It has right. those cultural ties, like we said. I think the SEC gets Texas and Oklahoma. I think that the SEC gets the big one and mm-hmm. then brings Oklahoma along with it because that makes sense, right? And maybe grabs. Well, I mean, that's Oklahoma is a prize. It's yes. just only for the Big Ten. It's a question. For the, it's, any, it's, yeah. a, it's a huge gift for the SEC. It's a distant third. It, it behind USC and Texas, it's a distant third. It's okay. still really good above whoever fourth is, right? Yeah. But it's it's not quite. Yeah, when you're talking about three of the top 10 programs in all of, or athletic departments in all of sports, then yeah. you're right. It's third. In, the, in yeah. that case, it's third. Yeah, I think that the SEC gets those two. I don't know if it would want to expand beyond 16. It already has 14 teams. If it does, then maybe it goes to 20 and, you know, grabs the Arizona schools, I guess. And then... Which is pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who else you get outside of that. Um, maybe you tack on Utah and Colorado just or to make it an even 20. maybe more likely take... Texas Tech and yeah. Oklahoma State because they're paired with Texas. Yeah, and Oklahoma. yeah. I guess that would make some sense. Um, you know, or even they, Houston, honestly, is, yeah. has an appeal. Houston, I don't think LSU would be a huge fan of that. No. But um, right now, LSU fans seem to have a weird thing with Houston where they don't really mind Houston because it's right there, you know, and it's the little guy. Um, yeah. But I think that they would very quickly have an issue with Houston if it became <laughs> not the little guy anymore. Yes. Um, but I, I think that Texas and Oklahoma go with the SEC. I think it's the easier deal, um, and it's one that makes sense culturally and then i think that the big 10 gets that sort of conglomerate that we were talking about that four team maybe even a six team pack if we're going to 20 for each of these and i don't know what this would look like for the acc that's then that's what i wanted to ask you is i totally understand your point i'm like the power three makes a lot of sense to me how does the acc survive that though because like if you were locked into a deal where for the next there's only three power conferences now, right? Yeah. And for the next uh, at least 15 years, you were going to make a, a half to a third of what the other two make. And you have a lot of shittier, smaller schools that aren't very good at football. Yeah. That are in worse football talent areas, except for Florida and Georgia and North Carolina too. What do you do? Like, how do you, like, like then we're just on the path of an inevitable power two, aren't we? Like, we're just looking yeah. at like, Two twenty-five team conferences, <laughs> like yeah, I think that that's certainly something that we could see happening. I I wouldn't be surprised if the ACC kind of gets caught holding the bag in the way that the Pac-12 did, yeah, and maybe goes and grabs some of those what we think of as being valuable G five teams, yeah. right? Because they fit the the landscape, they fit the geography. You can expand more into Florida, grab the UCF and USF. I don't think it's a great plan. I do think it's probably what they would end up doing. Yeah. Um, which obviously really hurts the American. Oh man! Yeah, and, and I mean, look, and we talked on our our Premier League episode about how that'll never happen. No chance for it. Yeah. If you want to actually see a Premier League or a Champions League, then if you get to a Power Two, that's when it happens, right? Yeah. I mean, you just have like <laughs> yeah. two twenty-team conferences. The Big Ten and SEC just like you know the SEC will bring in Clemson and Florida State, and, if you want, and Miami will stick around, and like yeah. then everyone else is just the G five. You have like fifty schools at the top of 
uh, college football and everybody else is just uh, at the lower levels and, and yeah. you have tiered competition and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that the, I don't know what happens with the ACC here. I think that the big 10 gets USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Cal mm-hmm. Stanford. I, I think that that's a package that makes sense. You get the California region, you get the, the, you know, the, the burgeoning Seattle area, you get Oregon, which makes sense as mm-hmm. kind of your West coast Penn state. You could pair those two together, even as like a permanent rival. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, you get Ohio state, USC as a permanent rival, UCLA, Michigan. Um, there are things there that make sense. I yeah. think I, 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 uh, that that all appeals to me. I think it would appeal to the Big Ten. Obviously, it's not Texas, but you're pretty happy with UC, with USC. Mm-hmm. You're pretty happy with the rest of the teams that you're getting in there. You don't get the biggest prize, but I think you get a bigger depth pull than the SEC does. Yeah. I'm going to go a slightly different route. I think the Big 12 eats the Pac-12. I, okay. I think they kind of look around and USC realizes that they are probably better positioned in the Big 12 than they would be in the Big Ten. And they go with UCLA, the two Arizona schools, Stanford and Cal, to the yeah. Big 12. Oregon and Washington go to the Big 10. Those two conferences, the Big, Twi- the Big 12 and Big 10, are at 16 teams apiece. Mm-hmm. The SEC stays pat at 14. The ACC stays pat at 14. You have four conferences. You have a power four. You go from there, right? Yeah, the American gets a lot better. The American gets better. For sure, and maybe you see some kind of yeah. You, the you, Mountain West gets better too. Maybe because, you get a you get a Power Four, mid major two, and then whatever is left. You yeah, know, with I, the Mountain I, West and the in the AAC being the two. Right. Yeah, I, I maybe you know I, I think that that would make sense too. I'm uh, I I'm curious how this would change if Jim Delaney or Jim or a Jim Delaney esque figure was the the or commissioner. Mike Slive, yeah. yeah, was the commissioner of the, the old Big Ten. Giants the last yeah, round, and yeah. not a, a patsy of the presidents in the way that the the current certainly the commissioner of the Big Ten is yes. in Kevin Warren. And who's in charge at the SEC? I think he's a better. Oh, Warren is his last name, right? Uh, is it? No, uh, Kevin Warren is a Big Ten yeah, commissioner. Yeah, uh, I um, should know this. It's not Slive. <laughs> no, Mike Slive passed away. Yes. Um, who? This is bugging me. Sankey. It's, it's, That's right. It's, uh, it's Greg, Greg Sankey. Sankey. Who's fine. He's yes, okay. He's but right. I don't think that either of those are the kind of master negotiators yeah. that those that came before them were. And I think that that would, that would be much more conducive to the kind of power three or even power two that we were talking about. And, and here's one other thing interesting, too, that I didn't bring up earlier during the information part. The Big 12 has never, since 1990 been the one to initiate a round of rating. Yeah. They have never raided another conference. It's they have their, always reacted. They're not stable enough to do that. At yes. least they haven't been in the past. But they, they do seem yeah. stable right now. They That's suddenly the have a point of leverage where, yes. as before, you know, the Big 12 isn't that old. And also, something we have to consider here, Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, was a longtime AD at Stanford. He yeah. has a lot of relationships in the Pac-12. He knows these schools. He can pitch to these schools. Yeah. Landing the four California schools and the two Arizona ones is not out of his element at all. Yeah, he's also suddenly the best negotiator of the bunch. Definitely. Right? Is, yeah. I, I don't even know who the guy in the AAC, or in the ACC is. Yeah. He also, there's a very funny quote where uh, he, at the most recent round of Big Ten, uh, I'm sorry, Big 12 media days, he apparently has his, the first question in each of those media days for his press conference has been asked about realignment for the last six years now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's, yeah. A, there's a record going on here. Yeah. It's obviously in everyone's brain. Like the Big Ten, uh, I keep doing that. The Big 12, which has 10 teams, yes. knows it must make a move. It has been made very clear to them. They have realized the G5 schools cannot do it. Mm-hmm. They cannot raid the SEC, Big 10, or ACC. That only leaves them one path. There is like 
It just seems like the, their back is against the wall. If they yeah. don't do it now, someone else is going to do it to them. Because yeah. you, you might survive another two or three or four years, maybe even one more TV deal for another decade. But long term, someone is coming for you. If yeah. you don't make a move first, you will get eaten. Yeah. Warren and Sankey are not their predecessors, but they're not morons. Yes. They, they can see this too. It's right. just, I think that of this group and why I think that yours makes makes sense too is that you know like I said Bowles, Bowlesby is now the old guy in he's the, the sharp yeah. yeah he's the one who knows what he's doing more than these other guys do yes. and if he doesn't take advantage of this then yeah somebody else will eventually it's just you know it might take a little bit more doing I guess yeah. than it would if if Delaney and, and Slive were still in charge here this is done this is right. over it is set it might not be official yes. uh, you know yet but but the wheels are in motion yeah. already backroom deals are done they have set this up yeah. Delaney is talking to USC he's talking to Texas he's talking mm-hmm. to these guys he's getting it done yeah. right I mean he almost pulled North Carolina Kansas those schools yeah. last time too like, yeah. like, like there were a lot of irons in the fire it was yeah. not just Rutgers and Maryland yeah which is why it's <laughs> It's sort of a strange approach that these conferences have taken in hiring guys who are not real son of a bitches, right? Like it's crazy. You the 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 landscape has changed because these conferences no longer have killers as com- mm-hmm. as commissioners, right? That was a big part in the last realignment cycle. Yeah. Was that you know that's why the Big Ten benefited from it. That's why the SEC benefited from it. And they could go out and grab these schools while the Big Twelve was getting picked off. I mean, the Delaney especially, like the vision he had. He was a fucking menace. Yeah, the the vision he had for what college sports would become. Yeah, was so. On the nose, accurate in terms of positioning the company. Yeah. Like, the Big Ten logically should not, I mean, it should be worse than the ACC or the Big 12. Yeah. Like, its talent base is shrinking by the year. Uh, it may have prestigious universities, but little else besides that. Like, yeah. Jim Delaney will go down as one of the most brilliant college athletics minds of all time. Uh, right? he, I think he already did. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know if people really appreciated that enough mm-hmm. while he was operating, right? That man, and I don't think I would have a whole lot in common with Jim Delaney if I was <laughs> to talk to him. I can appreciate greatness when I see it. Yes. He was a visionary. Like he did you the said, thing, yeah. yeah. He, he and, and Slive, who made the SEC what it is, right? Like, the the introduction of an SEC championship game, the the selling mm-hmm. of that as a TV product, right? That the SEC was not good until the nineties. It yeah. just wasn't. And then you start playing an SEC championship game. You start having something to sell on CBS. Suddenly Florida's good. Suddenly Alabama's good. Population changes help you too. Yeah, yeah the but, same thing is happening to the Pac twelve right yeah, now. Yeah, but like I don't think that these conferences have the killers that they used to. Nope. They just they just don't. It's become you have PR faces at the yeah. top of this thing, and I think that that changes the game in a way that the Big 12 doesn't have that. Bowlesby is not that, right? right. Bowlesby, is, he's cut from the old cloth, and I think that that makes a difference here. I mean, honestly, DeLos Dodd should be involved in this. You, yeah. you should be bringing in Dodd, like, which is funny <laughs> to say because he was like a classic good old boy in a lot of ways, but yeah. I mean, like the way he handled and played Larry Scott off of Bob Bowlesby, and yeah. like to or, or maybe Bowlesby wasn't commissioner by then, but the way he played Larry Scott off of the Big Twelve, yeah, uh, to get themselves an extra ten million dollars a year was so impressive. I mean, yeah. my God, like he needs to be in the room, whatever's going on, and I'm sure, I'm sure he actually has been. If I had to guess, so yeah, I w- his comments, and I would imagine that someone like to go back to the Ohio State well one more time. I would imagine that someone like Gene Smith is involved in this kind of Definitely, thing because yeah. Gene Smith, who gets shit on constantly by Ohio State, he fans, knows the deal. He's very good at this. Yes. He's very, very, very good at this. Probably the best athletic director in the country. Yeah, that's um, reasonable to say. I mean, it's like the, he does not miss on this kind of thing. Right. He's very, very, very good at. 
at it. There are athletic directors involved in this that are very good at negotiating, very good at making sure that their school gets the best possible deal. Mm -hmm. There are presidents that are very good at this kind of thing. And I I think that that's going to be the thing that determines this is the little details like that. So to recap official predictions, I think the Big 12 beats the Pac-12. We both agree the Pac-12's dying, yes? Yes, yeah. Uh, you think that the SEC and Big Ten combine to eat the Big 12 and Pac-12? Yes, yeah. I, I cool. think I, maybe the Big 12 eats the Pac-12 and then down the line, yeah. then this is more of a, a 20 years prediction than it is a one-year prediction. I yeah. think that the Big 12 is best positioned right now. Yes. But I, I do think that eventually this leads to a Power 3 and then probably a Power 2. And, and our last note to end on here before we get out of here, the window is open right now. Yep. These deals are being negotiated right now. The Pac-12 is up first, and they don't have a commissioner, but their window is open. Like, yeah. you know, these deals are up in two years. In the next two to four years, they're going to be decided, which means negotiations have been underway for years. Yeah. So we are going to find out about this in the near future. Like, Yeah, enjoy the P5 now, because yeah. I don't think you're going to have it in 2024 or 2025. I tend to agree with you. It's yeah. going to be a P4 or a P3 or... Yeah. It's going to be something, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I'm P3, excited to see what is this? The damn protein snacks Shut that you can get? Shut the hell up. <laughs> Shut the hell up right now. <laughs> no damn pea protein. Come on. This is a way isolate oh, podcast. Man. All right. That was the worst hair I said on here. Uh, <laughs> can we get out of here? Yeah. Thank you all so much for checking out this very long, very fun episode of Flipping the yeah, Field. I'm really happy with this. This was a blast. Um, this is the college football podcast about all of college football. If, I mean, if we haven't proved that <laughs> with this episode, I don't know what will. Um, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'll say specifically, if you enjoy this kind of show, right? Like this, yeah. this little bit more structured. Um, please tell us, please, please let us know, leave a review, you know, mention to your friends that this is the kind of thing that we do. Send us a DM on Twitter. Tell us that you liked this kind of episode. Yeah. Um, because I'll, I'll tell you here, I wasn't the one that did the, the, the grunt work here. Ryan did a lot of work for this. Right. And, and if, if you guys like this kind of episode, we can do more of these, but we need to know that there's a, there's an audience for yeah, it. Patrick right? will make me keep working. Yeah. <laughs> My boss, Patrick I, Mayhorn. Yeah. I like, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll grind on this stuff. We'll do it. We'll yeah, do, sure. we will do these longer, more structured episodes, but we have to know that there's an audience for it. Cause it, it does take a lot of effort on the back end. And, yeah. and, and specifically, I mean, if you have friends that are college football fans, uh, you guys know just as much as we do that you've played NCAA college football and EA mm-hmm. sports and realign your conferences a thousand times. Yeah. This is a fun topic, dude. Send it to your friends. Let yeah, them know yeah, what they think. Yeah. Let, let your college football friends know. Share it on Twitter, right? If you mm-hmm. if you liked this and you think that you that you know other people that would like it, post this episode. You know? DM me a kissy emoji. Give me yeah. a smooch. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hire us as your pool boy. Um, Ryan, where can people find you slash hire you as their pool boy? Uh, I am on Twitter at B1G underscore Ryan mm-hmm. and uh, go Bucks. And you're also on. You're also on Fiverr. Yes, as a, as a yeah. Um, I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Uh, my writing is at the Outside Zone newsletter on Substack, available three times a week for just five dollars a month. I also write for Buckeye Sports Bulletin about Olympic sports. If you're interested in that kind of thing, um, it's a newspaper. Ryan, do we have anything else? No, man. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See you.